Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Chewing It. This is Kevin Heffernan. On behalf of Steve Lemmy, thanks for joining us. Got a great guest this week, A-list screenwriter Ted Griffin. You may know him as the writer of such movies as Ocean's Eleven, Tower Heist, Matchstick Man, Ravenous, Best Laid Plans, and many more. He's worked with the top directors, Steven Soderbergh, Ridley Scott, Brett Ratner. He created a TV show called Terriers, which was critically acclaimed on FX. And he also happens to be a very old friend of ours. He is one of the original members of our comedy group back when we were in college, back at Colgate University. One of the founding members and uh, of the group that went on to become Broken Lizard. And so we have a lot of old memories with him. So we talk about all that stuff. We talk about his movies, his writing, working with those directors, and also how we all got started together. Uh, it's a cool mix of uh, Hollywood stuff and old Broken Lizard stories. So I think you're really going to like it. Hey, we were just in St. Louis. Thank you very much, everyone, for coming out. Uh, what a great bunch of shows we had there, man. If you came down, thanks for coming down. Really appreciate it. Got a couple more shows out there this year. We are going to be in Rochester next week, November 21st to the 23rd, the Comedy Club at Daisy Dukes. Uh, And then in December, we are going to be in Burbank, California at Flappers, December 6th and 7th. That's a Friday and a Saturday night. Tickets are available for both those shows. You go to the websites. Go to our website. Go to heffernanlemmy.com, and there's a link for tickets. On January 24th, we'll be in New Orleans at the Civic Theater. And we're going to tape our special there. So that's going to be a pretty festive night. A couple of shows. If you're in New Orleans, come see the show. Come get your face on the screen. Okay, um, what else? Fatty and Tatty. We're winding down our Fatty and Tatty episodes. So go over to YouTube, type in Fatty and Tatty, and watch the last few episodes. Because we've had a great time making them. And they've been a lot of fun. And people are digging them. So uh, I think you'll dig them. Fatty and Tatty, check it out. Finally... Our sponsor, this episode of Tune is brought to you by our friends over at K1 Speed. If you have the need for speed, K1 is the place to race. K1 is America's premier indoor kart racing center in the U.S. Experience the thrills of 100% emissions-free European-style electric go-karts, reaching speeds of 45 miles per hour. High-speed thrills for everyone. Race over to location to feed your need for speed. Seven days a week, always open. If you haven't experienced the thrill of racing at K1 Speed, do yourself a favor and find a location near you. Go to k1speed.com, or you can hop on the Chewing It website, download a coupon. There's a coupon over there that'll save you money next time you go down to K1. So check that out. All right, everybody, that'll about do it. Without further ado, we got Ted Griffin in the hopper here, so chew it. Now entering Nerdist.com. I always have enjoyed the just coming right into the, like, in the middle of the conversation. I, I get into that when people do that. Okay. Well, that's probably what just happened. It is now, the Good. second time. All right, so our web, our web, uh, our web, our web series, <laughs> our uh, podcast is called Chewing It. Notice so what I'm doing. You ha- everyone uh-huh. has to chew. Mm-hmm. Let's hear with you. Let's hear your chew. Mm. Oh, he licked his lips. Okay, mm. now do a solo chew.
Mm. No lick. No lick that. He's uh, Griffin has always had that kind of like underbite chew. Yes. He's got like an underbite chew going on there. Remind me to tell you the uh, my Tony Hopkins. This is that's the, by the way the first name drop of Tell it uh, now. This, uh, tell podcast. it now. Tell your Tony I once Hop- I had uh, breakfast with, with Tony Hopkins uh, 5 years ago. Okay. And he had just lost a lot of weight. Okay. And he was telling me very excitedly about his diet. Okay. Which was kidney with a side of very uh, very fava uh, beans. A, a very severe diet. But he said uh, and this is my bad Tony Hopkins impression. Oh, I love it. But, uh, there are some delicacies. Uh, uh, baked apple, take an apple, covered in cinnamon, <laughs> pop in the oven, 375 degrees, 20 minutes, take it out, take a bite. <laughs> and he did that face, did the, 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 the silence lamb's face, but that was his, oh, this is delicious. Was, right. And I was sitting like about this close and kind of... It was terrifying, right? Yeah, it was terrifying. That's but he was it. just, he was talking about a baked apple. That okay. seems, that must be like a, a British colloquialism for that's delicious. Because mm-hmm. we had we had met a a Cuban, um, I, I guess he was a, like a double agent. He was a rebel against the uh, the Castro mm-hmm. regime oh, yeah. back in 1959. Right. His name, code name, Tokayo. <laughs> Tokayo. Tokayo. Because we were, we were adapting a script from his book. Yeah. And he told us that the... Cuban colloquialism for getting a waiter's attention. You know, we hold up our index finger or mm-hmm. say, excuse me, waiter, was to make a like a sucking sound like this. Hmm. Well, how do they gesture for like, can I get the check, please? Like we sign. <laughs> yeah. It depends what check <laughs> is they just, in Spanish, They, they right? spit in their palm and wipe <laughs> yeah. it on their hair. Take that. Yeah. Um, hey, our uh, guest, our guest today is Ted Griffin. Our old friend Ted Griffin, or Theodore Theodore Griffin, as he, as you are known. Are you not Theodore? Uh, no, I'm Ted Griffin professionally. Theodore on uh, just contractually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, now I'm confused. I just realized There's that somebody we've, else in the WGA. The, uh, we've we we last month celebrated uh, 24 years of knowing each other. We did. Is that right? 19, Would you, I guess you'd say 1989 in September of 89. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes, yes. God, that's a long time. We've known you since you were a freshman. At Colgate, mm-hmm. freshman in college. That's and, six presidential administrations. Yeah. And now you're an A-list screenwriter mm. in Hollywood, right? Let's, let's, let's knock do, that down to A-minus or B-plus. No, let's do <laughs> qu- uh, quick credits just to say who you are. Ted Griffin has written many, many movies. Do them, Kevin. Famous movies. Uh, Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. You are the screenwriter most, for Ocean's Eleven. My, uh, mo- uh, most famously and my only profitable motion picture. Oh, bullshit. Tower Heist. Not profitable. Not profitable? Profitable for you, though. So that's Profitable cool. for me, yeah, and that's right. really what matters. They but tons of them. Ocean's Eleven, uh, Ravenous, Best Laid Plans, Matchstick Man, Men, Tower Heist, Rumor mm-hmm. Has It. Mm-hmm. You have a new movie, Solace. <laughs> Solace is, uh, is in the can. Is in the can? Yeah, 2014, with the aforementioned Tony Hopkins. Let's do, well, let's, tell us about that movie, though. What's that, I, what's I, that movie? Wrote it, I wrote it uh, shortly after I met you. Uh, <laughs> really? This, this old uh, many script, many years ago. Script is old enough to drive. I finished. Uh, I wrote it with a friend, Sean Bailey, who's now president of Walt Disney Pictures. Oh yeah, wow. sure. Okay. We wrote it before uh, a high school friend. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and we wrote it at the, before Clinton, uh, while Clinton was still in his first term. With a crayon. With a crayon. Summer of '96. <laughs> yeah. Typed typed the end and then put it out on like. Those that laser paper yes. that you in a roll, yeah. yeah, yeah, that you had to rip the size off. Did you type it on a word processor? <laughs> uh, 
I don't think I had a laptop then. Yeah, I did on a on a on a with a thing where you had to had the screen and then and then connected it to the big <laughs> block of computer. Yeah. When does the should we plug it? When does the movie come out? I have no idea. I'll plug something else in a second. But okay. So that, you, you don't know when the movie comes out. I have no idea. But it's I, like I, a big budget, like Colin Farrell, yeah, and a thriller, and and uh, but I've, I've I haven't been involved since since say the, since the Clinton era. Uh, since somewhere <laughs> in the in the, somewhere in the first W administration. <laughs> I, 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 oh, okay. I I, I uh, okay. haven't. That's the life of a writer. We're going to get to that. It's oh, Griffin. The life. It's interesting though because writer. you are it's you're you are benchmarking your your timeline with uh, presidential terms. Mm. A lot of people, a lot of writers do it with music, but you go presidents, huh? I do <laughs> from now on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So wait. So uh, what's what is it about? Uh, Solace. Can you say it's a serial killer thriller? Tony Hopkins has to has to stop a killer. Okay, and that's all I really remember. Right, because you weren't even you weren't even involved. It's it's like uh, do you, you remember do you remember uh, a paper you wrote in college? <laughs> it's a little bit like what was that paper? What was that paper about? I remember any. I remember one. I remember one. You do remember one? We talked college? about it. I remember the the art history. Okay, paper right, right. For our buddy, we're going to talk about him too. John Connect for Professor Connect. Remember okay. Professor Connect? Connect. Remember is Connect? He still there? Yeah, I don't know if he's still. He is still there. Is he? He is still there. Okay, all right. I wrote a paper for him. Uh, basically, I hadn't done any of the work, and the, the thesis statement was, I'm going to write this from the perspective of somebody who doesn't know anything about this class. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, didn't, he didn't buy that, so he gave me an F on it. I buy it. I would like to read that paper now. Yeah, it's, in, it's in the garbage can right outside his office. Make a movie out of it. Yeah. All right, so you're A-list writer, but, but yeah, we met 24 years ago mm-hmm. at Colgate University. In upstate New York. Upstate New York. How do you, you were, you're from here. Like, from the great state of Pasadena, California. From the east from, coast of Los Angeles. How do you end up at Colgate when you I got grew it. up in Los Angeles? I have no idea why, why I went there. I thought I was, I think I th- uh, did you thought visit I was going to New beforehand? England. I visited on the perfect October fall oh, day. As and, did I. And oh. the next day, a snowstorm hit and blew all the leaves away. Okay. So if I visited the next day, right, you wouldn't this, I wouldn't be in this podcast. Right? I did Shit. that too. I, I visited... And after seeing the campus on a beautiful autumn day, I applied early. Me too. I, I, I applied early also because through back channels, they said, if you apply early, they'll accept you. But okay. maybe if, you, if you're just in the... But that's a, that's a... I mean, like, I get it with you, Lemmy, coming from New York City. But I mean, you're, you're coming from you're, but you're, California. Your kids and maybe my kid, they might have the Colgate experience as well. Well, I know, but my, I'm a, my parent, my dad went to Colgate. It's I mean, an my experience. My brother went to Colgate. I went to Colgate. I mean, I, I get that. But I'm saying you had no connections to that school, right? I had a, my mother was dating a gentleman whose son had gone there. Oh, okay. And had been a beta. What was it? Do uh, we know that person? Uh, Sam Cooley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. He passed away. Yeah. He was in a car accident. He had died the year before. He did. He was in my brother's class. Um, he died driving back to Colgate. Yeah. Oh. Right into the back of a truck. Sad, yeah. I remember that. I never that's knew sad. him. I, don't, I didn't know that that was a connection that you had. Okay. Yeah. I knew him. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get past that. No, because I, I was listening to your uh, Soder podcast, and you yeah. guys were trying to figure out, like, founding members versus founders of, right. of Goosebeak. Yes. Right. And I consider myself a founding member. You are. You're a founder of but Target I cons- but I but I consider you and Jay founders, and I don't know if you auditioned, so I don't know. If I you're auditioned. Some- I auditioned. Okay, so but I, I had to audition too. Did I don't you? know if you remember that. I auditioned with with you. You remember you were like a pencil or something. Remember that thing? Yeah. He, that? I, he and I. No, were this is like a paper I wrote. <laughs> this is like a paper I wrote. <laughs> no, Ted and I were pencils. You guys were pencils, right? It, I, I remember this. Remember that. You yeah. were you it was were an the improv. Good, you were the good thing. pencil, and I was the the. Pencil who was cheating on a test, uh, or about to cheat on a test, up up in that what's the the Newman room? Uh, or, yeah, it was across uh, in the hall uh, of presidents, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, 
But let's set it up. So you, so you were a freshman. I was a senior. You were a junior, Lemmy. Yeah. And uh, we put together the broken, uh, well, it was Chard Goosebeak at the time. Mm-hmm. And Chandler Secker put it together. And... Kind of knew the people that we were coming in, uh, but you were a wild card. We had no idea who you were. I was new. Zach, you were a Chapman, freshman, yeah, and Francis Johnson. Yep, yeah. Francis Johnson. All were yeah. the were the newbies. Little yeah. Fanny Freedom. But I mean, we were all we all started that way. But we we had no idea who the, who the fuck you were. And you walked in and you had a great audition. We're like, who's this guy? Who's this tall drink of water? <laughs> <laughs> Ira Liss was in that room too, wasn't he? Ira wearing well, a cowboy hat. Yeah, well, he was. Uh, I don't remember the cowboy hat, although that that sounds like Ira. But we, because um, he was dating, he was dating Lauren Bright. Lauren Bright, who was directing one of the plays, who right. was also an original member. Of yes, a founding Goose member, Peak. along with. Uh, and I'm sure the rest of your podcast audience is fascinated. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Ursula Hansen, yep. uh, John Cook, yep, and Allison Clapp. Allison Clapp. There were like twelve, and of us. that's it. I think. I don't know. And Rob Holcomb? Rob Holzer. Holzer was, yeah. was the music guy. Yeah. And he stayed our music guy into in New, New York, York City. City. Yeah. And I think well, that's it. How did you end up coming to our, our audition? How did that happen? I think I must have seen a flyer. Like for a comedy show? Were, were you a, an actor in high school? I was an actor in high school. I'd done a little comedy. Yeah. I, th- I think I got drawn to the by the... Uh, because were were we auditioning for something else as well at the same time? Well, there was a uh, uh, what happened was all the student run kind of productions under that kinetic theater were auditioning in the same room at the same time for this you know right. four different plays. Zach got the Lauren Bright play, yeah. right? And yeah. I was mad about that because I I was up for that part too. Yeah, right. It was a bad show. It, it wasn't. I don't great. want to talk about it. I don't. You know, publicly. <laughs> you know, we never want to disparage anyone. But sure. Lauren, Lauren Bright show is shit. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, she Lauren Bright was on. Uh, she was on. Uh, I think the Food Network with a show called Bright Ideas. That's a good. Oh, for oh, I Lauren get it. Bright. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right, so you came. You came to this thing. You, you're you're, uh, you're a fresh a freshman. You auditioned. Mm-hmm. It was very different than Lemmy because Lemmy auditioned. We didn't expect Lemmy. Jay and I didn't expect Lemmy to audition. And he came in, and we thought he was kind of a little scumbag. I thought he was a little scumbag. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why I cast him, because I thought, oh, I could play the scumbag Why you roles. cast me. You talked against Jay. me. I know. Jay cast me. But I ultimately had to agree to it. Sure. And uh, But Griffin was like, who the fuck is this guy? He was hysterical. Never saw him before. Never heard of him before. But when you guys were casting, when Jay was casting, yeah. you, yeah. Were, you were <laughs> yeah. auditioning, but then also... Well, part what ha- of the selecting. Uh, what happened was that yeah. uh, the guy who ran the group or whatever, uh, John, Gla- uh, Glatzer. John, John Glatzer, he uh, uh, said to Jay, you know, you have to hold audition because Jay was just going to go pick people that he thought mm-hmm. was funny, you know. And he and I had made plans for months about putting the thing together. And so Glatzer said, you have to hold auditions. And so Jay said, okay. And he said, will you, to me, he's like, will you just audition like to make it look like I'm holding auditions, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll just do it, whatever." And and then all these other people showed up, and uh, you never know what's going to happen. It was a real audition, yeah. This and is then, fascinating. It's pulling uh, pulling back the curtain on because that was a, uh, a a milestone in my life because I was at Colgate. I was uh, new from from the West Coast. Yeah, not terribly happy with my decision at the time. Frankly, <laughs> is that right? Like <laughs> looking around, going, "What? What am I? Where's doing the sun? Up here? And where's the heat? And, and where's the- uh, and then when when that group started, I thought, okay, at least I have like I have this to do. Sure, like, I, I uh, felt at home in Goosebeak. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and we were your home and, away from and home. And that yeah. that was an entree into other social groups, right, uh, like the I fraternity lived, and, the, and and so forth. And and then yeah. and also defined the rest of my years there with 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 ultimately with Zach doing it the last two years. Yeah. Um, the, doing the chart, doing the after doing we the chart left, goofy. you continuing on and doing that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you gone back to Colgate 
at all and seen any of the charred goose beak shows that exist I've, there? I haven't. I've met some uh, other goose beak alumni, uh, some guys who've shown up on shows and have done things. Right. Uh, but I've never seen another goose beak show. And do you go back to Colgate ever or no? I went back for my tenure. I, I just missed the 20 year. Okay. Have they brought you back there to speak or anything like that? No. no. You're an A list writer. What the hell? Yeah. They should get you back it's there. It's a long flight. It is a very you know, long flight. They asked us to go do a podcast up there. We're like, ah, that's a long flight. <laughs> Just like, do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. On, uh, on RCU, on the on the radio station. <laughs> in December. On December. Well, we're gonna, I think we're going to try to live cast it or something. Sure. But, oh, okay. but that was the, the question. That's was, what you'll come back on. Do, do you want us to do anything else while we're there? And they said, no, just do an hour. <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> on the radio and then go. So you could be pretty much on a phone. Yeah, then we could party. Then we can yeah. go party there. I mean, what the hell? Um, uh, the good thing about you, though, was Charred Goose Beak, uh, which was amazing about you at the time as a freshman, and we were seniors, was that uh, we started doing a lot of, um, you know, which led to what we do. We, we started making videos. We started making little mm-hmm. video, interstitial videos that we would show in between. And you really kind of led the charge on a lot of that because you had some background in making some videos. You had some editing background, which was like a... Really, back then, it was like a VHS tape-to-tape like machine. It was like two machines plus yeah. play and record <laughs> yeah, at the same yeah. time. It was a, uh, maybe a uh, hair better than that. But, sure. Uh, but you knew how to do that shit. We didn't know how to do that, and you were instrumental in helping Final, us do Final that. Final Cut was probably like 10 years off. Yeah. Oh, at least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, d- DVDs were... I mean, the, I remember because we did the uh, the Untouchables, a spoof on the Untouchables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did a spoof on Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which was uh, Die Incredibly Hard because uh, yeah. Die Hard well, 2 the was, kept changing Die, Die Hard 2 was about to come out I think yeah. Yeah. so we were really pairing Die Hard 2 as Die Hard 3 Die Incredibly Hard yeah and, and then there was Die as Hard as You Possibly Can because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. the thing was terrorists were taking over the Colgate Library and we uh you, Lemmy was the John McClane character mm-hmm. and fell asleep in the library and woke up and it had been taken over by terrorists for whatever reason. Yes. And My favorite single word from that whole video is uh, Satterdach. Satterdach? <laughs> <laughs> what the terrorists say? Yeah. What's a student do, doing yeah. here on Saturday? Yeah. Satterdach? Yeah. Satterdach? That's right. And, and Kev, you were the, uh, you were the cop. Right, I was the Twinkie eating cop out, the in the, out in the who shows up and, with mm-hmm. Griffin. Griffin was the uh, like the, the head FBI. of the FBI. He yeah. was like the Paul Gleason right. character, or whatever. It was. And then yeah. and you were uh, you were Gleason. De Niro as the head of the fraternity sorority system. That's right, and the Untouchables. And, and Zach <laughs> Zach was uh, Elliot Ness. And Stolansky <laughs> showed up as the Sigma Chi yeah. Yeah. president who yeah. just said, Derby days? Yeah. And, and they were all Dons. You know, they were all Dons, was... and he was Don E. Osmond. Don. <laughs> and it took him like four hours to say Derby days. Yeah. Derby days. Derby days, because he, he kept laughing. But yeah, at the time, I remember seeing the Untouchables video. Die Hard, I, I don't remember having that. There was a shot in the Untouchables video, which was like that long sort of uh, yes. a zoom shot mm-hmm. from, uh, from Cardiac Hill. Yeah. And I saw that, and I was like, holy shit, we've made it. Yeah. <laughs> this is a movie. Well, because Griffin knew what he was doing. Like, how did you have that knowledge? Did you do I was, I was making uh, movies from sixth grade on. Yeah. Super 8 and then uh, Beta and VHS. Uh, in eighth grade, I made one with River Phoenix right before oh, really? he, w- he went off to make uh, Stand By Me. Because you went to high school with him? Or because... I just knew him. Uh, I knew him as a was 12, 13-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, and we used to make movies Make a little together. movie. And yeah. then you used to edit like that, tape to tape, yeah, kind of that tape. way. Mm-hmm. And I remember you were in there editing. This is what we talked about before. With, and and uh, we had commandeered, uh, you know, they had equipment at Colgate, which, you know, we had never seen before, mm-hmm. the, this tape to tape stuff. And uh, you went and you were using it. And then we got accused by the he- by the university at one point. Didn't we get accused from stealing 
for stealing equipment from I thought them, it was just or? I thought it was just Professor Connect. Connect, right? Didn't Connect. Uh, I can't remember. That. I I just remember that they wouldn't actually let m- the first semester. They wouldn't let me edit. I had to be there with like, somebody from the AV department who would who would press play and record. Right. And so I was. Uh, That's hysterical. Just it's like sitting behind him and no no. Then no, let's go back to some. You're not exactly a faculty member, I guess. It's a un- that's a, a union professor. thing. That's a union thing. An administrator, thing. Yeah. perhaps. So, and then, uh, and then, and then, at the end of the semester, because we just totally uh, exhausted his goodwill, I think we bought him probably a six pack of beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Milwaukee's best, no doubt. It was something cheap. It was good. Something yeah. Canadian and and uh, and oh, the good stuff. Yeah, lowbrow. Yeah, but that uh, I think that that really sent us down that path of uh, certainly us of, of making those short films, and we continue to do it mm-hmm. afterwards. Oh, it absolutely. Led us to make more. Do you have a favorite Goosebeak memory, or do you have a favorite of uh, at least like first couple of shows uh, memory? Well, I think I, to me the the memory of it happening was like the, those first shows that we did ever ever mm-hmm. were so exciting because uh, you know it was something that we had, Jen and I were talking about like we'd be in, in the summer like drinking a beer in the summertime be like we should do some show or whatever and then. We finally put it all together, and if you remember, we did the first one in the in the House, House of, of Commons. Commons or whatever, yeah. it was some big you know hall or whatever room. Yeah. And the thing, the first night was eh, it was okay, but it was like on a, like a Wednesday night or something. And then the the first like weekend show, and people just turned out for it. And it well, went, we got it, it was great. I mean, it went through the roof. We did the first show, and there were probably like what twenty five people there. And yeah. then the very next day, we got Josh Gladstone wrote that incredible review right mm-hmm. in the newspaper in yeah. the newspaper and then uh, which we were all excited about it was sure. basically it was, it was a glowing review and then uh, you know probably the, the audience doubled on thursday night 50 people yeah and then yeah by the fourth show on saturday it was and then it was kind of thrilling i thought didn't you, mm-hmm. did you do you remember that i mean <clears throat> I, me- I remember like that was, that's sort of a high point I, my memory of it is at some point having to sneak out a window in the back of the house <laughs> right. of commons with jay to to make an entrance uh, right. from the rear of the audience <laughs> and like going through snow like we're doing we're doing a show and we <laughs> in order to get, do it we got to like trample through right. snow in order to because there was a, a bit and, where you were carried on a stretcher or yeah. somebody was carried on a stretcher yeah yeah because it, it went from the video, video into to us live bring this guy right. in yeah. and yeah. Lemmy had to uh, uh, he opened the show popping out uh, of from behind something and saying did someone say deal which was a, a fake commercial that was it was a, a Toyota commercial and you and we didn't have the wherewithal but you had to sit for 45 minutes <laughs> as the audience <laughs> came in you had to sit for 45 but minutes but that is actually I, I, that was what I was going to say was was my favorite memory one of my favorite memories from that show was sitting in that box alone you know mm-hmm. for for 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> while people filed in and like my listening heart was, to the conversations in the audience the conversations I remember my, my girlfriend at the time had you know she had one of those S's that sounded like this <laughs> and so I could hear her S's cutting through the air the, the whole time and I could smell her perfume yeah and uh, and I was just sitting in the box my heart was was thumping and I and I also had a handful of confetti because that was what I was going to throw up in the air. So, like, right. I mean, my, my palms were confetti. so wet. Sweaty confetti. That's a good band name. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. <laughs> they could open confetti. up for Scritti Politti. <laughs> yeah, sweaty. Oh, uh, I thought that was Scritti Politti. Yeah. But, and, uh, sweaty and the second show, I remember the fly sketch. I'm <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The fly sketch. So the next semester, we did another show. That was yeah. big budget. That, and, that uh, was a big budget. Yeah, we got kind of avant-garde where, where everyone played flies who were kind of eventually stuck on a big fly. Everybody shirt. except for Jay. And me, yes, who, oh, uh, the two guys who wrote, who wrote yeah, yeah. the the fly <laughs> sketch, which was, yeah, I'll say it to your face, a terrible sketch. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was never a fan of that. Sketch. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. I was never a big fan of that sketch. It has uh, it has some of my favorite moments in it. Because and so for for people who 
obviously nobody knows what we're talking about. The fly sketch was us as flies, mm-hmm. and there is there is a frog. Uh, known as the frog, who has hired a mercenary fly <laughs> to trap all these other flies because he wants to eat all the flies, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and he's 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 hired this mercenary fly to lure the other flies to a fly strip. And there's a video we we shot a side video of, of <laughs> right. the frog telling mercenary fly, uh, you know, the the mercenary fly says, "What's in it for me?" And the frog says, more shit than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> now, were you the frog voice or you're in the video? I remember you're in the video with the fly and the frog, right? I'm not done with I, my fucking thing. Yeah, I just want to set the, set the picture of I, it. I can't, frankly, recall. All I know okay. is I had to be on stage as a fly <laughs> okay. vomiting once I made my entrance. Sure. I think Jay was the frog. and The I, voice of the frog. The voice of the frog. And I was a mercenary You're the fly. voice of the fly. And he was in that... There was like a dead fly sitting on like the bar <laughs> in our fraternity house, and there was like a little frog. Yeah. And then Griffin was the only kind of live action person, He'd like leaning yes. into the oh, conversation. God. Now I remember this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were playing drinking games. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, well, and then, so so you know the uh, mercenary fly says, uh, "What's in it for me?" And the frog says, "More shit than you can possibly imagine." And then mercenary fly says, "I don't know. I can imagine a lot of shit." <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, uh, anyway, when Mercenary Fly decided to to take to accept the job, yeah. uh, we had somebody off camera who then blew the dead fly away. <laughs> and that's how it flew. The fly was going to fly away, and then somebody off blew the fly off off the uh, off the bar. So that yeah. was that was high tech stuff. Revolutionary. I enjoyed that quite a bit. And then there was the there was the the vomit of it. Because yeah. we all had to, uh, you know, what someone we someone had done a great deal of research on fly yes. biology and discovered that when they land, flyology, flyology, yeah, flyology. They, they they vomit a little bit. Right. Well, that was the, yeah. uh, the from the movie, the Jeff Goldblum, the Fly movie. Oh, okay. But I think that's where that research came. All right. So every time, <laughs> if you made an entrance as a fly, yeah. you you yes. you. Uh, Got like a cup of vegetable soup. Yeah. Well, what happened was I like on the lunch. Like the shows were like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The lunch uh, in our fraternity house on that Thursday, I took the leftover vat of soup Mm. from the fraternity house kitchen, and I brought it over to behind the set stage. And then that was the soup for the next three nights that people put in their mouths and just spit onto the ground. Yeah. Well, but for me, it only lasted one night because then I was like, "This is disgusting." Nobody's. Nobody knows what this is from the from the audience, so I just I would get a, a soda and drink it before I went on, and then I, 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 I vomit soda. That's yeah. a good point. I, I was a freshman and didn't know well enough not to. No, uh, I know. Because so, there were some people who were drinking the soup on the very last night too. Yeah, stuff. I, I might have had some just for the fuck of it. I think you did. Even though I wasn't in the sketch. This soup's pretty good. Not bad. But another thing I remember from that particular show uh, with you is that uh, you know we'd always tried to do some improv stuff. And um, and uh, never, well, I certainly was never that good at it, and I was kind of a pussy about it. Uh, uh, ultimately, I've done it, but now, but at the time, that was the first time. So we decided we would do a freeze tag game in front of the Colgate mm-hmm. crowd, and there was no improv group, there was none of that kind of stuff there. And uh, I I bailed out. I was like, "Fuck this!" And I went and hid behind the thing. I think with you, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> Me and you and Al Clapp, we hid behind the stage. Yeah. And meanwhile, Griffin's out there killing it. He was his, he was he was the star of that little improv. I have it on video. He was the guy nailing it, getting oh, yeah. laughs in that improv thing. But, yeah. but freeze tag improvisationally is the equivalent of of pressing play and record. Oh, absolutely, to, absolutely. To, <laughs> it's to contemporary. It's, it's yeah, yeah. like it's uh. It's but this is improv. this is what nineteen eighty nine, ninety, and no one. It's there was nothing like it at Colgate. Nobody knew necessarily yeah. the improv games or that kind of shit. Yeah. So you know, at the time, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and I, mean, I was impressed. Yeah, I mean, we had done that. We did that as like a warm up technique for our writing sessions. Yeah, 
And even then, I didn't enjoy it so much. Right. I mean, it was fine. But yeah. doing it in front of a stage, it still gives... I, I hate... I like improv... To, I, I really respect improv comedians because I think that's more terrifying than stand-up. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm just not that good. I mean, you know, I think it's a muscle. No, you're great else. at it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, bro. You've got the muscle. You've got the muscle. <laughs> Thank you. It's just, um, it's just atrophied a little bit. All right. Should we, let's, should we move past Colgate or do we have other Colgate things we're going to talk about? We could about? always circle back. We could always circle back. But I, I want to get to some, some meaty shit yeah, that people want to hear about. But before we do that, yeah, yeah. You, ha- you said you had something else you wanted to talk about. You, you know, the plug. Oh, something. Pl- I'm um, a movie coming out uh, now, officially Christmas Day, The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, wait, Star- are you involved? In starring an in order of importance. Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Jonah Hill, me. Are you in it? And some other people. Are you in it? You got a little thing in there? I have. I play two roles. You you can hear me in one role, but not see me. <laughs> okay. I'm over. The, I'm over the phone on a speakerphone, and in, uh, in the other role, you can see me but don't hear me. I stand just behind Kyle Chandler as his FBI partner, ah. and and look so awkward. <laughs> I, I'm a terrible extra. Oh bullshit! In, in the movie. Come on, but, really? How did you? What, how did, did you? How did you get into that? Uh, I've been working with. Second name drop of the uh, podcast, Martin Scorsese, Marty, go Marty. On. Go for on. five or six years, okay. and uh, so I came on as a, a co-producer right before production uh, to help problem solve okay. some script stuff and and budget stuff, and and okay. then uh, hung out for a few months. Wow, and, got your face in it. Okay, so I auditioned did, for that movie. Did you? I did. What? What were you, the wolf? Uh, no, it was one of the uh, one, one of, of the, his gang. Yeah, one of the gang, and so it was like one of those. It was silly because it was one of those phone auditions. Like, it's like you're on the yeah. phone. Oh, I see. Not, not phone audition where I audition for the person, but like your scene takes place with you talking to someone on the phone. So yeah. it's, it's the finger to the mouth, yeah. the thumb to the ear, that thing. And it was just like in some, like I was like, oh, this is exciting. The Martin Scorsese. And I, I went down, and it's all in New York, right? But mm-hmm. So I went down to somewhere on Wilshire, some casting agent's office, and there's just an assistant with a camera. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And it, it was a little bit more depressing because I thought I would get in there and really... But it was fun. I went in there and did the audition. But of course, you know, I was so far removed. Did you go? Uh, did you go cell phone or Bluetooth? Uh, I think I went finger to the mouth and thumb to the ear. <laughs> I, is, liter- I think I literally imp- did an improv no no. You're, you're, it's, it's like holding a gun. Is it? with your? With your uh, is that right? In, yeah, you're right. supposed to in improv in proper improv. Okay, we wouldn't have known this at Colgate. Okay, hold it like a phone. Okay, well, yeah. I, that's my. I, I fucked it up. Yeah, but I, but I tried. I tried to get into that movie, but I didn't. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm excited to see you. So but Christmas so wait, Day. But so you didn't you didn't write this? You're the co-producer. No, Terry Terry Winter wrote it. Who does um, Boardwalk Empire? Yeah, and uh, I mean, I helped out a li- if something needed to be done because Terry was busy with Boardwalk. But mm. it's his script. I don't want to yep. imply any uh, sure. authorship. Uh, but uh, I've seen it a couple of ni- uh, times now. And uh, is it great? Uh, it, I I really think it's a, a lot of fun. It's very much in the casino Goodfellas yeah. mode of. I read the script. Yeah, uh, voiceover sort of. Um, Seeing shit heels, and uh, you're FBI guy number two. Uh huh. Agent Hughes. Oh. If you listen very closely, but okay. you needn't. Okay. Uh, so that's Christmas. All right. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. I very, mean, that's very exciting. That's the big one. Kyle Chandler. Fun to fun to work with him. A uh, lovely guy. The whole uh, bunch was uh, was delightful. Okay, um, so you had scenes with everybody. Uh, I was I was around most of the people. There were a lot of people ca- came in for like a quick uh, couple it's a of days. It's a big cast, right? I mean, yeah, a big cast. What, like, what's what, the who's the what's the, who's the Frenchie from the artist who won the Oscar? Uh, Anybody can, do, uh, can you say his name? Yeah, yeah. We uh, Jean uh, du uh, Jean uh, de Jardin. Du Fromage. I think it is. Yeah, 
du fromage. <laughs> Jean-Claude uh, Duvalier? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, he's in it too, the French. The okay. French. Does, he, does he speak or is he uh, quiet? There's <laughs> a little, uh, some word, you know, his English isn't It'd great. be sweet if you found out that he was mute and that that was, I mean... No offense to the uh, the mutes, <laughs> yeah. but uh, and uh, just one single line of the artist was dubbed. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they had Marty Nixon. I haven't seen. I see. I haven't seen the artist. Oh, you haven't? No, I haven't seen mm-hmm. the artist. I didn't. Know uh, fun line. to work with Scorsese or what? Always delightful, energetic, energetic, passionate. Has nothing to prove and still is working harder than anybody yeah. else. And you learn. You probably learn some shit from that guy uh, every day. Yeah, and and really has a because I, I know you guys do too have a fairly encyclopedic knowledge of, of film and things and, and as as do I as do Ted and I can yeah. it's like playing tennis with somebody you can barely like lob the ball back he just knows yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so much more about film than anyone it's I've ever met it's a different stratosphere mm-hmm. yeah. did you shadow him as a director yeah, a bit. I mean, it's it's uh, you don't want to insert yourself too much when he's talking to the DP and say, "Hey, what? Are you, how's it going over here? <laughs> yeah. What, yeah, what are you oh, talking about? You thinking about going wide here, huh? Yeah, yeah. let's see. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Marty. I don't know. Uh, but uh, and, but it was fun to then act for him because I did one take and he came up to me after it and said, "Less." <laughs> and, <laughs> I think and, that's what Chandler uh, used to say to you, right? Mm-hmm. Less, yeah, Griffin. Yeah, less. Well, a lot. I mean, a lot. A lot of people sure say that. Less. Yeah. What now? Do you have uh, other duties as a producer moving forward, or no? Like they were purely kind of in the creative. Uh, uh, I watch. I watch cuts and some, make suggestions, notes. and and occasionally if uh, Thelma. Every, we should get a little bell every time I, I drop in a Thelma Schoonmacher. Yeah, she'll, yeah. she'll call and say, uh, "We need a I need Griffin to cut this thing transition instead of me. here." Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I'll and then I'll run over with from, with the guy from Colgate, and we'll just we'll just recut the film. Did okay. they did they ever give you like a shit job? They're like, ah, Ted's not doing anything right now. Like, let's make him go and uh, and shake down the craft service people. Did you ever have to break some break some skulls? Uh, I'm trying to think if I did have to do any like tapping the watch. You know, yeah, uh, Marty. Yeah, we're we behind gotta, schedule. Yeah. Let's so, go. We got we got so much sunlight. They cut your hands off if you do that. Uh, Scorsese. Yeah, and gone. I no, I didn't have to do anything. Uh, Will you have, have you considered uh, trying to get in more Scorsese pictures as an actor? <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, look, you you have acted on stage with us. You you mm-hmm. also are in Puddle Cruiser, our first movie, Puddle Cruiser, mm-hmm. yep. in a very good role. Which Rick Johnson's I, Pizzeria. Yeah, I'm sure is on the list there. Yeah, yeah. It is. Was it on? Was it not on the list? No, I have I have an a, whole, a little acting couple acting questions I want to. Okay, we've but, we've jumped mm-hmm. ahead. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so, but you're a good actor. I, I, having watched myself in Wolf of Wall Street, I really don't think so. Like, I, I don't know if it's about uh, that I can't watch myself, but every time I, I show up on screen, I can see my brain working like, oh shit, where are my hands? Oh, should I have my hands here so, or so over is, there? Is that it? It's the mannerisms that drive you crazy? Uh, the self-consciousness. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable in, in front of the camera. But, yeah, but there was a time when you did, though. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's a, it's a situation of, yeah, you're, you're rusty, or is it also like, holy shit, this is my first time back, and it's a Scorsese picture, and I've. It's got probably it. that. If I work two days, if I ever work two days in a row, it, I would probably like ease <laughs> into it. Yeah. But also, you know, background work ec- or extra work is is difficult because, you know, I mean, there is a skill. Like you are supposed to be doing something, and yet, yeah, and no one is really talking to you. The director sure. technically can't speak to you, or else you get right. upgraded to an actor. Right. Uh, but I, I was more comfortable. There was one scene where Leo is selling a guy. On, on the phone and I was in the other room on the phone so you hear my voice in the scene and so being able to improvise with him and sort of do that scene that was a lot of fun yeah. just as soon as the camera's on me I go then, I choke up right the throat gets tight um, um, go, let's go back let's go okay. back so uh, uh, after you left Colgate 
uh, did you always plan that you wanted to come out here and be a screenwriter or a filmmaker or an actor? Or I, what did you, you were coming back here? Or? I think my final production at Colgate was uh, a an original rock musical about set a westernization of Pure Gint by Ibsen <laughs> called, I can't remember what it was called, but I had to appear, I had to do two things into it. In it. I had to sing and I had to appear naked. Oh my God. Did I, you was, I, I was able to cup uh, my genitals okay. so, and cover them. That would be the first time. But, but the entire chorus was uh, was behind me, so I was okay. not hiding anything from on okay. that, that end. And... Um, Avant-garde. And after the show, all all because Colgate's a very small community, and so mostly it's your friends who see the shows. Uh, everyone came uh, after the show said to me, "You probably shouldn't sing again." <laughs> <laughs> like nobody nobody noticed the nudity because the singing was that bad. That's good though, uh, and that distraction. that killed it. The, the Olivier, look at me, look at me. I didn't I didn't want that so much. <laughs> I feel like it would be interesting to see a man sing naked. I didn't have to do both at the same time. Oh, yeah. is that right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, why did they want so, you to be naked? Uh, in the scene, I had to uh, strip off my white man's clothes, jo- join the, the Mary the Engine Bride, whatever. Okay. It was a westernization of Puritan. Okay. Um, Zach Chapman was in it. Okay. Others. And so that turned you off from acting is what you're saying. That turned me off from, from <laughs> acting. So I came out to Los Angeles to to be a filmmaker, I guess, uh, my 22-year-old idol was Billy Wilder yeah. or uh, Do It All. And I, I thought, eh, this will take six months. Yeah. I'll, I'll write a script and I'll sure. get it in six months. And it was about three years of uh, sort of living in, living on people's couches and yeah. spare bedrooms. And was there ever a thought of going to uh, New York or are you going to come to L.A.? I didn't uh, – I never thought about going to New York okay. then. Um, Your roots were here and you knew people yeah. here and you – I had a sort of a safety net. My father still lived out here, yeah. and uh, I had a lot of childhood friends. And were they in the business? Any, any of your <clears throat> my grandparents were yeah. uh, were a director and actress. For, uh, my father grandfather directed uh, from the 30s to the 50s, probably a hundred movies. Wow, had lots of great people: the Marx Brothers, the Stooges, Laurel and Hardy. What was his name? Stan Rogers, William A. Sider, S E I T E R. The only person I've ever met who uh, knew that name. Martin Scorsese. Bingo. Bang. Uh, oh, you're, oh, you're William Sider. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Sider. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Room service and, uh, yeah. and uh, Sons of the Desert. So uh, so my mom grew up, there was the, a child of Hollywood, and then uh, married a uh, kid from Pasadena, my father, and okay. all the Hollywood connection and money went on the, on <laughs> the, ro- the, on the road east. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but so it made sense for you to come back here and try to uh, yeah. uh, write and, and So I was and writing my way into the director's chair, which I'm... 15 years later still, sure, still sure. doing you've directed some things though. Uh, television TV a couple stuff, episodes yeah, yeah. And a, we'll, and talk, a, we'll talk about that oh we'll get to that we'll get to that well, you, you want to get to that yeah yeah we, we talk about everything take that jacket off so what yeah. the, so uh, uh, what's the first big success Ravenous was that was that the thing or the, uh, the script Best Laid Plans as a script got my foot in the door okay. and then Ravenous which had been written prior to that uh, sort of fall then they started production in the same week, and then they were both colossal. F- or well, both of those movies started production the same week. Yeah, so you wrote Best Laid Plans, which was Josh Brolin and Reese Witherspoon. And, and Alessandro Novola. Yeah. Right. Uh, and Ravenous, which was Bobby Carlyle and Guy Pearson. Yeah. Neil McDonough. David Arquette. And Jeremy, Jeremy Davies. Davies. And the uh, recently departed uh, Antonia Bird directed. She died last week of. Oh, cancer. right. Okay, yeah. right. Uh, and, and on Deadline, uh, they had her a bit, and then the first Deadline user comment was meh. <laughs> That's really? That's the, I hope when I die, just That's there's bad. no obit, so nobody can write meh. 
God. But didn't she uh, replace someone on that movie? Yes. The, what the, ha- the what original director was fired two weeks in. This is on Ravenous. Yes. So you shoot for two weeks, they fire in, the guy. In, what did you do wrong? Uh, I don't know, because I wasn't there. I didn't. I, I thought he was... Uh, a nice enough fella. Uh, he was a nice enough fella. I probably wouldn't have hired him. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll be as okay. diplomatic as possible. Sure, there. okay. Now, I was under the impression, I mean, you know, as it came through the grapevine, it was that you had sold those two scripts uh, simultaneously. Uh, how, how far apart did you? They, they all sold in the same week, but one of them sort of uh, got noticed first. And okay. so then... Uh, and how many years one, out of college is this? It's about three, three years and change. Okay. And so, boom, you sell two scripts. So boom. Which one sells first? Uh, actually, ravenous. Okay. And I remember the phone. I got. I was in some. I was on a, one of those general meetings you go on where you're just uh, talking to people. And then I got dr- taken out, and there was a phone call for me. It was my agent <laughs> saying, "You just made blankety blank money," yeah, and, yeah. I, and I was still yeah. like barely could pay for gas. Sure. Uh, so that that was a. I remember getting very flush. Yeah. In that, in the rest of the meeting. Oh yeah, you're you are a flusher, aren't you? Yeah, it, I'm, I'm probably flush right now. Do right? your cheeks yeah. go first or your ears? I think my cheeks. My ears go first. I'm also getting neck flush lately. I, I get, I get, but I, I think that's too. that's Kevin's a flushy dude. Really. I'm a flusher too. Okay, and so now, and that's and, exciting. I like that movie. I mean, Ravenous was a cool fucking. movie. I really like Ravenous. Yeah, I'm not crazy about the other movie. Tell I'm the, the sure a plot of Ravenous. Tell the quick, real quick. It's a, it's like a Donner party. It's uh, a Donner uh, uh, a guy spin-off. soldier gets <laughs> re-stationed to a fort on the western side of the Sierra Nevadas. Yeah. Where uh, sort of a way station on the way to California, and a, <clears throat> in the middle of winter, a guy walks out telling a story about a daughter party, and that people started eating each other up there, and they go to investigate, and bad things happen. Yeah, it's a uh, very well. Uh, Antonio Bird did a lovely job, especially with I think four days prep. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, An original original idea, or did you base it on? Uh, it came out of reading about Alfred Packard. I was reading this book, the Th- uh, reading the Thin Man by Dashiell Hammett, and yeah. in the middle of it, for reasons I don't know, he he stops and talks about Alfred Packard. And I was reading that book, and I okay. stopped, and I thought, oh, and well, you I thought could, about Alfred Packard, uh, and I thought yeah. oh, that could be a movie, and I never finished the Thin Man. I, yeah. never, I still haven't, and I refuse to. <laughs> uh, you never know; there might be a gem in the second half. Yeah, yeah. What the hell? Uh, I remember Ravenous seeing the uh, the trailer for it. I, I will never forget. Uh, he was licking me. <laughs> I remember that. We said that line a lot, didn't we? A lot. He was licking me. He was licking. And also, I, I remember reading the script. And uh, one thing that wasn't, if I remember correctly, uh, I remember like one thing I loved about the script was the description of um, there was a chase through the forest, and the the fellow was up in the treetops. Yes, there was some more expensive stuff that. I think uh, the first director probably cut out and and probably would have not been visually wouldn't have worked back then. Um, I don't I don't miss it, but I like it in the script. It was great. It was great in the script. Um, yeah, that was right around that time where we I think we uh, we took over your house, wasn't it? Yeah, the yeah. Ravenous time. It, Did you go somewhere? And we I went to New York for okay. a while, and then I, we I, rented your like the five of us rented your house. Yeah, right. Yeah, that is actually where I read Ravenous. Yeah, me too. Me too. And best laid plans. And yeah. I remember like managing to get a screener or a dupe DVD of Rushmore. And br- do you remember that? And bringing it over to the ha- uh, like saying, "Oh, I, th- I got this copy of Rushmore." If you want to watch it, and, and sort of seeing Rushmore for the first time at that house. I, I, think I don't. So. I remember watching. We watched a lot of fucking movies at that house. Yeah. Well, the first you had the first DVD player of anybody that I knew, and so the first DVDs. What do you think about that? Wow. The first DVDs we ever watched actually it was pretty comical because it the, we would all lay in your bed, mm-hmm. five of us, and watch DVDs. 
And uh, it, you didn't where, I, have... where I had laid before you yes, I and know. made love. Yeah, I'm sure. There might be someone else making love in there too. Maybe, but like what? what? Wait a second. But I remember we watched the Unforgiven was one which we watched a few times because first, you know, on DVD when that technology first came out, you were so knocked out by the the crispness sure. of it. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching Highlander. I remember watching Highlander. Highlander. There. Oh, and yeah. we watched and we did Highlander with the commentator or with the uh, the director commentary. Yeah. And now I can't remember who directed the movie, but uh, but they were Mac- just all Macaulay Culkin, Culkin, <laughs> something Macaulay. He directed Highlander. Yeah, really? little little known Hollywood trivia. Macaulay um, Culkin. But that was always that we there was a fight, right? We would stay in Griffin's house, and uh, we'd have to rotate the five of us because you had like an extra bedroom, mm-hmm. and um, who would sleep in the big bed? And Chandler Sager would just take the big bed. And nobody wanted to sleep with him because he, he snored and he slept with his eyes open. He Both does. Were, yeah. But it was also I like... Never that. the, the, yeah. That's terrifying. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. And he would just sleep in that bed to kick the other person out and then he would end up with the big bed. But mm-hmm. the, the, the thing was, it, so there was the king-size bed and then there was the guest bedroom had two single beds. Yeah. And then there was, you know... The like f- an office room. Yeah, floor type or like and maybe... there was, there was a, a couch in the living room, which was probably... You probably slept on. It was it was your choice. You could... <laughs> wherever... But it was a short couch, I think. I think it was a short couch. That was the yeah. problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. is that you would then wind up going and making a bed in the on the floor of the office. But yeah. so Jay would... The, the prime spots were really those two single beds, because you were alone and you were in a bed. Even though you had a roommate, it didn't matter. <laughs> but then this, the next best choice was the king-size bed. And ideally, you would wind up with not Jay, but Jay always, no matter if he had the first choice or like in the rotation, because it was on a, a nightly mm-hmm. rotation, or the last choice, he would always choose the, the king size bed. And it ruined it for you. Because <laughs> I would, you know, I would. But I had very fond memories of staying at Griffin's house. I've, in fact, uh, like one of my fondest memories, which I, I toasted at your wedding, was uh, you and I being in those two single beds in the okay. guest bedroom. You're right. And you were asleep. Yep. I could tell because you were snoring quietly because mm-hmm. Kevin is a quiet snore, mm-hmm. a gentle snore. <laughs> and uh, in his sleep, uh, it was like it was like a, a spring burst in, in the mattress in the bed next door. He had actually farted right down in his sleep. He had farted into the, the mattress. And then in his sleep, he, he kind of snickered about it. I heard he went like, boing. And then it was like... <laughs> <laughs> And then I was chuckling about that, and about thirty seconds later, the the smell came, <laughs> and that was when things got not as not as amusing. Yeah, well, that's all right. But I have I have very fond memories. I had a great time of your house. There. I don't know you. I stayed. There was I stayed at the, you... like the West Broom apartment. I, I crashed on that couch. You did? Yeah, I think it was in Soho. I'm trying to remember all the people I importuned in in the early years. Sure, when you're couches and sleeping around on couches. Yeah. Anyway, we're, sorry, what were we going to ask? Um, I can't. Uh, I was just. Talking about that house. All right. I'm done with that house. Right. Well, you, you mean. Uh, oh, so, guys, I know. 217 uh, Outpost. Yeah, it's an Outpost. Outpost yeah. drive right up the street from Bob Barker. Yeah, Bob Barker. We, we, we've walked down the street and walked by Bob Barker all the time. I remember seeing Bob Barker in the lawn, yeah. on his lawn. I don't know. I had some story. Oh, I'll, I'll tell the, yeah, I'll tell the story about, because I had that place. I was renting it. Yeah. And then I thought about, uh, and this was after you guys had, had taken it for that fall, I yeah. think. And then the next year, I thought, I'm going to move to New York. And I was having, uh, I, I talked to Jeremy Davies of Ravenous. Of, yeah. He was licking me. Yeah. yeah. And he said that he was trying to sell his house and somewhere, and uh, what if he took mine? And I went to New York, and he was dating uh, Mila Jovovich. Oh, uh, hello. And uh, so he said, you could stay in Mila's place. We could do a swap. And I thought, okay, great. That makes it all fairly easy. Sure. And and uh, 
And then the day came for him to move in, and this big moving truck showed up. And he decided <laughs> that he'd just bring all his furniture, which had not been discussed. Right. So uh, he brought all his furniture in, moved all my stuff out. To where? I had not told my landlord because it was just he was going to be squatting there. Right, yeah. It wasn't worth it. But all of a sudden, he had a new tenant. And so uh, Jeremy Davies actually, in the aftermath, bought the house from my landlord who had oh, been really? trying to sell it. So, so it had a heavy ending, but at some point I got very hot water for that. And did you stay in Mila Jovanovic's? So and then I went to New York, checked out Mila Jovanovic's apartment, which was, let's just say, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for the next couple of months, I shared my home voicemail, because I think it was the first year of like cell phones, yeah. where you, like 99, when yeah, you yeah. first had them. Yeah. Uh, but I still shared the landline voicemail with Jeremy, he was. Uh, I was check my call in, check my messages, and then I would listen to these messages for Jeremy, which included one from Oh Mila, Mila that Jovenich. said, "I I miss you and your beautiful cock." Yeah, and come uh, on, uh, one of the, one of those. Huh? Holy shit! And it was like, and so I was able to like have dinner in New York. So you want to hear what she sounds like coming? Sure. And, and then, then you, but you masturbated while I passed the phone. Yeah, at the restaurant. Yeah, 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 yeah wherever yeah. I was, I yeah. was playing it. For How many friends. times did you masturbate to that voicemail? <laughs> twice. <laughs> Two times. Yeah, but once once outdoors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does that count as twice? Is that, is that why you say it that way? Um, what, did, did she call her apartment the Mila Vila? <laughs> Come on. That's a good one. Come on. That's a good one. Um, all right. Let's move on to the big one. Hold on a second. Okay. Hold on a second. Uh, Jeremy Davies, I will say, I, I, I liked him a lot in Spanking the Monkey, but Ravenous was the first of two movies where his incredible pussiness made me hate him. Now, this is as an, in Ravenous. As an actor. As an actor. Yeah. He was a total pussy, mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. character. Yeah. And yeah. then in Saving Private Ryan, right. he, Total pussy. he matched the pussiness from Ravenous and went beyond it. And it actually, he did such a good convincing job, it made me hate him. <laughs> I, I, but he's a tough guy in real life, right? Yeah, a very tough guy. He beats the shit out of yeah. you all the time. He goes out looking for fights. Good cock. cock. And a good cock. <laughs> and a, good and a great cock. cock. Yeah. 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 Not Jesus. firsthand knowledge, but... Uh, well, but, well but, uh, but not secondhand knowledge. No, but not secondhand. Sure. I heard, uh, from the... From the the horse's mouth. Wow. <laughs> yeah, from Mila's mm. Villa. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, let's go to Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, how did you how did you get that gig? I mean, that was a, that's a, that's like that was a gig right there, man. I uh, I'd written those two movies. I knew they were both going to come out and flop, so I thought I better get a job. <laughs> but did Ravenous yeah. flop? Yeah, I mean, they weren't big flops because they weren't that expensive. But but Ravenous was did not make a million dollars on its opening weekend. Did not did not break the top ten. Did it not? Oh really? I thought okay. it, it finished in like the twenties or something. Like that, <clears throat> no? Yeah, I think it ended up grossing slightly more than two million dollars domestically. Oh, okay. yeah. It has it has a has it has a life? cult cult following. Like yeah. it's not a, it's if there's a magazine article about cult films, it doesn't make that. Yeah. But it's like the it's the echelon below that. Right. Um, but I do I do get a lot of people uh, say that they like it. Like it's b- besides oceans, I probably hear about that movie more than anything. So it, like yeah. if you go to like Comic Kinda Kong. You'll, they'll <laughs> be all up in your business. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's my version of the slam dance. Sure. I'm a kind of con. I'm a kind of con. Yeah. I like that. Hey, what are you gonna do? I'm just starting. It's early yet. Yeah. I'm you'll, just you'll blowing put it together. Off the you'll chops. get it together. Yeah. All right. So the, you got the two movies. I know they're gonna flop, 
And, but you're, uh, you have sold two films. I mean, that puts you on the map. Yeah. yeah so. And so I got offered Oceans. Warner Brothers had the, had made the original movie in 1960. They yep. owned it. And Jerry Weintraub was a producer. Yeah. And at the time, Brett Ratner was attached to direct. Okay. Uh, but I got sent to... Uh, they'd been developing a script. I just got sent that. I read it. And I watched the original movie. And I sort of wasn't really uh, interested. Okay. But this is one of those deals where, like, you, you, because you were kind of a hot writer, they were sending you projects and you were trying to get involved in those projects. Yeah. How, how is it that they come across you? I think they they I had been sort of the 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 writer du jour for a couple of weeks in okay. because of those scripts yeah. and um and then because I had been produced twice that gave me some sort of cachet okay. um right. w- you know worth it or not just because things had gone um and uh so I had been uh on the tour of general meetings and met this guy Chris Buchanan who worked for Jerry Weintraub, so I'm. I'm yep. that's probably. And how Jerry I Weintraub is an old time old, man, uh, old I'll, school I'll Warner do Brothers. My Jerry impression. Yeah, Everyone does. It's it's actually become more common than Chris Walken. People who do Jerry Weintraub the, impressions, right? In the biz, in the biz, and he's got his uh, office on the Warner Brothers lot. And, so I go uh, in, I meet him, and yeah. he says, "Listen, you write this." You can have my. Pl- I got a place out in Kenny Bunkport, right, right, <laughs> right near George Bush. I got somebody uh, you can. We'll cook for you. We'll clean for you. You can write it there. It'll be great. <laughs> and uh, by that time, I sort of, I kind of got a sense of, oh, okay, I think I know what this good movie could be. So I sign on. I never hear about Kenny Bunkport again. Okay. So never, okay. No, you gotta no, bring the that shit up. Bring that up. Completely rescinded. Yeah. I, I suppose I could call him now and say, remember that. I'd, I'd love. I'd love to go. Sure. And, and for free. And whack off. And whack off. Yeah. Outside. <laughs> So uh, so you go have a meeting with him, and he says, I want you to write this for me. And then uh, I'm You didn't like the original movie? I wasn't crazy about the original movie, yeah. but I like movies like that. I, I grew up sure. watching Great Escape and Magnum 7 and The Professionals, Dirty yep. Dozen, all mm-hmm. those sort of groups of guys yeah. on, a, on a mission. Yep. And so... Uh, and there's no script at this point, or there was a There had been a script, but it was very okay. faithful to the original movie, which is about a bunch of uh, army buddies who decide, hey, we did so well taking on the Nazis, let's take on Vegas. Right, yeah. And they sort of do it, I agreed, and I thought, uh, I just wasn't into that, And but I thought, I love The Sting. Yeah. I love uh, the guys who, are, like, do this professionally, mm-hmm. and so... Con men. Uh, con men, yeah. and, and um, uh, so that's that was sort of the movie I wanted to see when I heard the title, Ocean's Eleven, so then uh, I sort of started fresh and yeah. uh, did and that. And so you went and gave Ron Traub a pitch? Or... Uh, yeah, kind of a half-assed pitch. Okay. I really didn't know what I was doing at, at first. In but, terms of like the how to pitch, you mean, or well, both. I I also just didn't know quite what the what the script. I I didn't know how what we we're going to steal or how anything was going to be stolen. <laughs> I just sort of thought I think this is kind of it and the, the vibe. So um, is the is the take that you just gave us basically the take you give them? Like you know, it's in that one. It's more about the greed and this. I want it to be you know. I'm not even sure if I had that much. Honestly, okay. I, they may have just been desperate to have somebody on it. I, yeah. I, I think uh, I, w- I was not the only person being offered this job. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think it was getting. You had to go fight for it. In a way. No, 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 no. Meaning, I think people, a lot of people, had said no. Uh, I see. Just sort of like, I, see. I don't know what to do with this movie. Oh, okay. Because um, it's a it's a broken movie. Sure. Um, so then I got got the gig. Uh, and is Brett Ratner still on it? He's at that on, point? but but okay. shortly thereafter, he goes and and uh, makes. The uh, makes family rush hour. Okay, okay. Uh, And so by the time I turn in the script, uh, he's now no longer unavailable, and Jerry Weintraub is pissed at me. uh, But we get lucky because why you took too long? Yeah, I only took I think 
I only took the time I needed, goddammit. Four or five months, but he's like, right. oh, it took forever. You, <laughs> you go and make the ink first, what? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know he listens to this podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> religiously. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I turned it in, and then we got a sort of lucky that there was a new deal with Warner Brothers and Soderbergh and Clooney, and uh, uh, and uh, the cast came together. And it was actually the easiest but movie so ever to... Soderbergh came on after you wrote your script. Then. Yes. So based on your script, you got Soderbergh uh, yes. in the movie. Uh, and then Jerry, yeah. call, Jerry called me up and said, I got Soderbergh and George Clooney now, my great producer. What? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yes! Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it took you... We didn't start filming for a year because they had to go make... Tra- he had to go make Traffic. And then we started, we were in Vegas from like the next January. Uh, and when Soderbergh comes on and Clooney comes on and these guys come on, do you have to do rewrites for them? Rewrites specifically yeah, a little bit just notes to, uh, or tailor it to a certain like, hey, we got Brad Pitt, let's tailor it to him. Hey, yeah. Matt Damon, I got to tailor it to him. That kind of stuff? Yeah, but it wasn't, uh, it actually wasn't too much, uh, uh, too much different from, I think the original, I mean, there was, there were, uh, yes, it's very different, but it didn't, didn't But like, for example, when you were writing, things. you know, like a lot of times when we write, like, I'll have a, you know, have an actor in your mind or whatever, you didn't have George Clooney in your mind. as The only actor I had in mind right? and uh, who we cast was for the Saul Bloom character, the old timer. Right. I had written it with Alan Arkin in mind. Okay. And Alan Arkin got cast and we did a read through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole cast, I was, I stood in for Julia because she wasn't available for the read through. <laughs> you did and, the Julia and frankly, part. I, I found some moments that I think she missed. Okay. Um, okay. And but Arkin did it and just killed. It was hysterical. He's uh, one of my favorite actors, and that was sure, a, a sure. highlight. And then the next day, he had to drop out because of a health scare that turned out to be okay. benign and Not fine. Scare, and yeah. so Carl Reiner took the role. Uh, but okay. that was the only the only time I've ever written really specifically for somebody, and and that we got them right, and then didn't right. Now there's some there's you know the line at the end of that movie when uh, oh spoiler alert. Well, it's not a spoiler line. <laughs> when Clo- I think Clooney says to Brad Pitt, or Brad Pitt says to Clooney, uh, "What is it? Ted Nugent called, or mm-hmm. uh, he wants his shirt back, or was it, it, it the '80s called, and he wants his shirt back?" Any, the, yeah. What's the line? I think it's Ted Nugent called. He wants his shirt back. It's the it's there, there's not a whole lot of improv in line uh, in the uh, improv in the movie. That's that's George's line, 100. percent Okay, because you know there's like rumblings from like our our Colgate friends, like our opener Eric Levy, that like. That that's his line. He, <laughs> like the the story that Levy tells, is that he saw the movie, then he called you up and it was like, "That's my line," <laughs> and that you wouldn't call him back. No, that's not true. I, I didn't write that. George did, and I tried to get it rid of it. I, Levy I, to I, shut I, the I was, fuck up. I was you, trying Levy. to keep Levy. all pop references out of that movie. Yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, I told Levy I was like, Ted Griffin would give you. He would call you back if that was your line. But it's not, so fuck you, Levy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the interesting thing to me about that movie, though, is that uh, from what you're saying, like it started out as a project that people weren't 100% on and they were trying to find a writer to do it. And all of a sudden, at some point, it turns into having the biggest movie stars in Hollywood and the best director in Hollywood. Uh, and do you remember a point where you realized that? or I mean, you know, it well, changed yeah, into being... Yeah, but but to have I, I think... Okay, uh, speaking very generally, I think half the battle is always luck. Meaning, yeah. let, uh, let's take Steven Spielberg makes Sugarland Express, yeah, and mm. it flops. Sure, if that's a success, he goes on to becoming like this kind of interesting seventies artist. Mm-hmm. But it flops, so he goes and says, "I gotta make something commercial." And and then from Jaws, uh, he's ma- he's he's golden. Yeah, from that point on. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know what the point of that story was. Other than it's sort of like you, uh, you're you saying can, it's luck. Half, half the battle is always luck. We got that was uh, that it was a project that had been kicking around for a while, sure. and it just sort of came together. In but the, the right big way. element of, of of luck in this seems to me in this business and trying to get projects put together and happening is to have that package that you get put together. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And to be able and to have the uh, the movie stars of that level and a director of that level. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of a sudden it means that this project is going to be you know, on track for success, right? Yeah. Certainly as far as your career is concerned, things obviously heated up for you. Did they heat up right when you took the job and it, or right when it got greenlit? When it got or, greenlit, I felt a, a slight sea change of that. Uh, I was sitting in rooms where people presumed me to be smarter than they had presumed me earlier <laughs> because I must know something if that right. happened. It's the kid wrote Ocean's Eleven. And, uh, uh, so yeah, if you have something parenthetically behind your name, it it, it changes, and then sure. and then uh, and that lasts for a while. Mm-hmm. And then what if you, you don't, me lately? <laughs> then if you don't get something else, it sort of goes. Oh, and then we can. Uh, th- th- they no longer presume that. Um, uh, just to go back on. The, uh, so were you on the set that whole? I was on set. In Vegas? Lived in the Bellagio for five six weeks. Oh man, which was, how uh, great was that? It was a lot of fun, but man, every. Every night, having to come through, uh, walk through a casino on the way to your room gets depressing. Is, gets well at the Bellagio, not as much as other places. But <laughs> sure, it, it gets, Treasure Island. It gets a little distracting. <laughs> so, so what you're saying? You lost some dough? No, I probably drank too much. Okay, because um, right. I was like, oh, I could like stop at the bar, see if there's anything going. It's on. part of the lifestyle, though. Come yeah. on, man. I, mean, I, you... I was never a good gambler, so that was never a risk. You've been on location to a number of different places. Is Las Vegas the worst place to be on location then? I mean, I hate depending Las on Vegas. What? No, I, I, Ra- Ravenous, I was in Prague for two weeks, and this was 1998, <laughs> so they'd been uh, uh, out of the communist bloc for um, five, right. five, six, right. seven years. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And, and uh, culinarily uh, <laughs> <laughs> alone, that, that made it the worst. I was eating uh, my shoes. Uh, but I've I've never done a movie like, I'm trying to think, what's like the, the most brutal movie you could be on? Like, Siberia. Yeah, like the thing, the thing, or this, uh, yeah, where you have yeah. to travel two hours into cold. Or uh, I just you're in Vegas. About, I was reading about Sorcerer, which was a terrible shoot. Apparently, yeah. Sorcerer, the, the William Friedkin, William, William Friedkin movie, right, right. Uh, a new one uh, out on Blu-ray in November. You had Roy a, Scheider. Um, you mm-hmm. had a poster of that in your house on Outpost Drive. I always liked that movie a lot. Yeah, uh, and the scene you have is on, I mean the, the on the poster, the scene on the poster is my favorite. Uh, yeah, scene reference in the, in the in the Simpsons, one of their more obscure references in the Mister Plow episode. Mm-hmm. The 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 plow truck goes over a rope bridge and right. it sways a little bit. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Wages of Fear remake. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, uh, and so on the set, are you rewriting on the set in Vegas, or what do you a do? Little bit. Do you there, go to the set every day? I went to the set on on Oceans. I went to the set every day, and there were three or four times where I had to sort of say, "Wait, wait, wait that's not right." Yeah. Uh, which, but those were like there was usually a week or two in between those. But um, what does the writer do on a big budget set like that? Do they shut the fuck up, or do they follow watch what the director's doing, or what's the? I mean, what do you, what do you do? Uh, a are lot you of the treated time, well. You're treated fine. Do you get to hang out with Clooney and Pitt and go out and chase? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, sometimes more Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck than Clint <laughs> sure. or but... like the Jet Li little guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we still write. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh... but it seems like your job is somewhat done. And then sometimes, like like 
you know, the writer on the set, I've talked to writers before, when a writer gets to the set and it feels like you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be here, or, you know, was it that kind of feeling, or was it like they involved you in the process? Or, I mean, like, when we were working on Dukes of Hazard, we were there for a reason, which was to write yeah. constantly for whatever it was, eight weeks or something like that. Yeah. There's a, every set a set is different and depends on how secure the director is, and so you can sometimes talk to the actors, not in giving them direction, but sort of talking about things, and, yeah. uh, and sometimes that uh, will make a director nervous, and sometimes that's like with Ridley, it was fine, because Ridley's uh, an extraordinarily secure guy, and, and Marty even more so, or no, 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 not more so, equally so, yeah. and um and so sometimes if you have a good idea because you're writing a script in a vacuum or in a room that's not where they're shooting it, and then when you get to the to the location, you might get an idea. So uh, you can always come up with something, or there can be a problem, or sun- suddenly somebody won't say a line, so you have to <laughs> come up with an alt. Um, right, right. So, Riven, give me an alternate line, please. Uh, it's useful to have them nearby, uh, have a writer nearby, but not like right in the thick of things, because I think that puts... Film actors a little bit on edge. TV is totally different. Because why? They think it's going to get rewritten or because they want it rewritten? Or Somebody once said having a writer on set is like having a parent at a rave. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. could see that. I could okay. see that. Particularly, I mean, you have, you have very piercing eyes. So I do. Like, I yeah. could imagine if I was an actor and I looked over and saw you and I was like... Flushing to... with piercing eyes? Yeah. Flushing? I was like, well, that's not the way I meant it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Sure. Um, sure, that was with the, one of the worst moments uh, of my career when uh, at beer in the beer fest set where uh, Donald Sutherland was shooting his thing and and Jay introduced me as the writer, which I'm not sure why because we were all writers, but it was because I wasn't acting that day. You're also more, and so he's just trying to explain who, who, why I'm there, and he's like, "Oh, he's the writer," and then Donald Sutherland just looked at me and he's like, "Oh, you're the writer." Well, what does this mean? You know that kind of shit. You're like, "Oh boy," there is it's something actually weird. funny. It's a funny story. Yeah. You can tell it. Well, it was it was just like uh, uh, it was uh, some benign thing. He's like he's in a hospital bed, you know, drinking beers. That's his part. And uh, and Jay introduced me as a writer. And he goes, "Oh, I'm glad I have you." What does this mean? And I looked at the line. It was just some line. And I said, "Oh, it means blah blah blah." And I repeated the line. He goes, "I don't want a line reading. I want you to tell me what the line means." And this is like a beer movie. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? This mm-hmm. is not some sort of subtext in there that you need sure, to Sure, but think. on the other end of the spectrum, this is Donald Sutherland. I know it. Who is I not, know it. He's not the beer movie can actor. Do, can you do a Sutherland impression, by the way? Like, somebody uh, should be able to because uh, it's specific. I don't know. It's like, very deep. And, and it's slightly lispy? No. Dude, there is a lisp. He's got a slight lisp. No. It's caring oh, about yeah. people who care. Like, he does voiceovers, and you should be able uh, – there should be a Sutherland uh, impression sure. out there. Anyway, sure. sorry. I, I don't have one. Short. I don't have one. Well, that's about it. I mean, I just say – you know, he's trying to find some sort of acting depth in this beer fest script, and it totally caught me off guard because that you know I didn't I didn't expect being juiced that way. I didn't expect to have to defend anything in that way, and then all of a sudden there was the actor. Uh, uh, it's also tough as the writer to say I, I don't know what that line means. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it was such a benign line, like where is my such and such, and you're like, I when there are no benign lines. That should be the lesson you just took. I guess there but are no. When you got introduced lines. as the writer. Didn't it f- sort of feel like he was saying, and here's Kevin, the field hand. Yes. It's, it's yeah. just sort of like, right. we, we we let him in because uh, out of our beneficence yes. into the, he into really the, into the big house. Here. Yeah. yeah. But. Because that is, as a writer, for, you know, I mean, as a, uh, for the people who are listening, writers are generally considered, you know, the lowest rung of the ladder. <laughs> Unless you're an A-lister like Ted Griffin. Unless you're an A-lister like Ted Griffin. Yeah. But even then, I bet sometimes you have to negotiate, you're, I mean, always you have to negotiate 
plane tickets to the set. <laughs> <laughs> right? Or at least we have. Sure. Even no, on no, I, mean, I mean, yeah, people we talk In Stratego, to. you're a nine. You can go up <laughs> yeah. against anybody else, actor, whatever. It's like, what's your number? Oh, I'm a writer. Yeah. <laughs> right. You yeah. blow up. You lose. Yeah. Uh, what was the... Oh, Donald Sutherland, I was going to say something. Or was it... He has, by the way, uh, uh, I hear not... I hear not great things about him professionally. I don't know what your experience was besides that. Uh, he was a little crispy. I mean, I, I, you know, it wasn't... He was only there for a half day, mm-hmm. and uh, he did a fucking great job and, like, went for it. Like, you know, you want someone to show up and go for it. I mean, the dude sat in a hospital bed and just started, ch- like, chugging beers, and you're like, uh, Mr. Sutherland, we can uh, fake that. We can... He goes, oh, no, and he just starts chugging beers. Yeah, we, had, like, we had a rig... hysterical. We had a rig to suck the beer out of the glasses, and he's like, oh, and, and he chugged the beers, yeah. and then it burped <laughs> on, on camera, and it was great. <laughs> He'd be like, do you need to go to the bathroom? He's like, I'm confined to a hospital bed. I don't go to the bathroom. You're yeah. like, Jesus, that dude's okay. a professional. He is. And so... Uh, I cannot complain about his professionalism and the job he did was amazing. It was just like, you know, you meet these guys and you idolize them and you want to have a laugh with them and maybe, you know, feel like you could share a moment and he mm-hmm. he wasn't in that mode. He was uh, he was kind of business and he didn't didn't want to bullshit and, you know, that's just the way it is. Sometimes you run into people like that. Well, can, well, I go, can I go down a road for a second? Yes, yeah. please. Talking about like meeting your heroes? Yeah. Because like Scorsese is everything he, he, like everything it says on the tin. He just, sure. just totally lived up, lived up to it. I was once at a party and it was late at this party granted it was like midnight so and you had a few so William Goldman who was sort of one of my great heroes growing up as a screenwriter just watched The Princess Bride last night uh Mm -hmm. have you read the book I have not read the book better than the movie go up to William Goldman uh, and I'm nervous I've been nervous for hours and chicken shit about approaching him but I finally go up to him and I say uh, Mr. Goldman I don't interrupt my name is uh, Ted Griffin I just wanted to say hi and he says I'm aware of who you are <laughs> and leaves the party oh really <laughs> That's literally like, maybe he was on his way, way out anyway but he's like I'm aware of you are and then he just turns and goes wow That's and so how bizarre. did you interpret that I mean uh, somebody said well it's late and he's 80 and he's been drinking all sure. day but uh, uh, that he didn't but, like you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like yeah, you're ripping me off. Yeah, All you kids are, which is true. Young but guy he trying to be, be complimented yeah. by that, and I should have won an Oscar. <laughs> or Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> Do you think he was actually aware of who you were, or was he just drunk and like that's his? That's I'm his certain. I'm certain he's aware of my a a listedness. Yeah. Them. Um, yeah. Who have you? What heroes have you met? Oh well, we've 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 gone through it on the on the podcast. I mean, right, okay, about I when you get a little when you get a little tongue tied. Uh, like I met yeah. Patrick Swayze and I and I lost it. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I I choked. I crashed and burned. Right. I choked uh, when I met Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I I lost capacity of speech when I met Steve Martin. That Did was, you? That was the worst. Oh, I'm sure. I just I went flush. I went. You're really good. Right. I'm sure. <laughs> well, now, okay. So it's funny because uh, a, a, several podcasts ago, we had a, a friend of ours on who's a, a choreographer, and uh, he's he's done a ton of different things. Like he's done everything from Cirque du Soleil to Celine Dion's uh, Vegas show to the Fountains at the Bellagio, mm-hmm. all kinds Rolling of things. Rolling Stones concert. Well, so then he, you know, he, he told us that he had done the Rolling Stones. They did a concert in Brooklyn this past year where they started off with like 200 or 300 Brazilian dancers, like drum dancers, and then from that, the Stones came on stage and kicked in a sympathy for the devil and that he had spent a few weeks with them choreographing it. And then, uh, you know, so I, I heard that. I was like, you know, they're my favorite band of all time. Uh, what the fuck? And they're in New York City, like, what the fuck? And so he said, well, the next time I 
do this, I will certainly invite you out to to you know meet them. And so he emailed me right a few weeks ago. Kevin was was on the email, sure. And he said, "Okay, well, this November, I'm going to be doing it again. I'll be out in London, and I want you to come out, stay at my house, and uh, you're going to meet the band. You're going to meet these guys. <laughs> now, this is like I've I've loved these guys since I was like 11, 12 years old, and uh, sure." You know, like in a talent show, I played Mick Jagger. But so I'm, <laughs> I'm already aware of how tongue-tied I'm going to be because this is like my my A number sure. one guy. Sure. And I'm like, it's like I'm I'm worried about it because I feel like I should uh, write something in advance. Oh God, don't do that. Well, otherwise I'm going to choke. Ah, so what? You won't choke. Oh, I'm going to choke. Nah, you won't. Oh, I'm going to choke because it's like he's going to be there with, with Keith Richards. Nah, you won't choke. He'll say something and he's met a gazillion people and you'll just be some other guy. He's, he's not going to say he's aware of me, though. No, he won't say that at all. But, yeah. But whatever. It'll be more important to you than it will be to him, so don't worry about it. It's going to be very... I, I actually... The truth is I'm just going for the photo op. I don't give a sure. fuck if I crash and burn as long as I get a picture with Mick Jagger. I think I think the mistake is always to pre-plan too much what you're going to say yeah. because then it comes off as uh, written. I, I just wanted to say that I, when I was 18, I and then you're not having sure. a conversation. It's just it be, that's what makes everything. Sure. Weird it's a good with point. Celebrities. This is why I, I bounced that off you. Yeah. Why don't you go just say what's up, dude, when you meet him? That was the problem with Swayze is we had pre-planned so much of that conversation sure. and, and then it, and then it failed. And how many people go the other way and say, "Hey, what's your name?" Like trying trying to be sure. too normal the other way yeah. yeah 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 sure yeah or or give them shit like what's up Mick how's that fucking <laughs> hair dye in there we have the thing a lot where like we'll go do live shows or whatever and then you'll be talking to a fan and then another fan will come up and his method is to try to be cool is to make fun of the guy you're talking to yeah. I did you that know once. what I mean uh, what do you mean what I, do you I mean? did that once at a book signing uh, no I'm sorry it's a bad memory what? Let's, let's not talk you about made fun it. of you your... brought it up no I, I, I went up and I went to a James Elroy book signing probably okay. about 20 years ago and okay. then and then the guy before me was saying was talking recommending a movie yeah <laughs> and uh, I went, walked up after, after? So that movie sucks yeah <laughs> what a geek <laughs> That's that's a technique that got people use to try to get in with the per- say, didn't you know, didn't work for me didn't work no nope. it usually doesn't work because you're like okay I don't know you either I don't you know like I mean? and I also don't want to witness that kind of bickering and dissent yeah I'm like I'm just just move it along you're all about love yeah no and then there's no move it along I'm like oh, I wanna I want love sure uh, uh, coming off Ocean's Eleven what kind of juice did you have what what happens what happens when you make uh, a movie good, like that good juice I was able to uh, with Warner Brothers get this other movie Matchstick Men going right which is Ridley Scott Ridley Scott I'm, I'm, God I'm, you're moving on to a a guy to a guy but my Myself up to producer, which uh, is strange that because like, you're led into a bunch of meetings and rooms that you should be as a writer, but they just don't let you in because uh, they don't want because so, you're a writer. You need to be a producer. Yeah, now you need is, to be a producer. Is, match, is Matchstick Men something that you had written years before? Is this something you went in and pitched? It was a book that got sent me, okay. and I was I wanted to. My brother's a writer as well, and we wanted to write something together, and we thought this book would work, and, and uh, so we pitched it to a studio as a book and pitched our adaptation uh, at the same time and they uh, not Warner Brothers though but no it was Warner Brothers okay. and, and then uh, uh, went through you know a little bit of through a couple different people and then landed with uh, Ridley in this great way again it was sort of one of those things where not that we would have been lucky with any of the previous people but we just got very lucky I mean, it's Ridley like when Scott you, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was uh, probably the most fun I've had just on a set or making a show was with because you with, with your brother or because yeah. and Ridley's just it was a, a blast and and uh, everybody was good uh, he was relaxed because he would, didn't have to deal with a bunch of 
chariots or gladiators or that. Right, it was, it was, a, it was a con man movie, and so it wasn't like a space movie. And uh, and he's, you know, they're different personalities, different directors. Some are artists, some are generals, some are charlatans. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or like <laughs> politicians. Sure, uh, and what's really? And, and he's a general. And yeah. it was my first experience with that. And it was sort of like, you just drop and do anything. For, uh, how is that different from Soderbergh? Is Soderbergh more the artist kind of guy? Or how is he? He's probably the, uh, more the politician. More the politician, okay. Yeah. And so really Scott just in charge. Yeah. Okay. And and didn't didn't really have to say like he didn't have to give a, a patent like speech. He was just sort of like he I'm was, Ridley Scott. He walked on and he went, Yes, sir, governor, right away. <laughs> sure. Did you so were you able to pal around with Ridley Scott? how was your relationship? It was good. It was very uh paternal. He's he's uh, got me by thirty years, I think, or maybe sure. a few more. Uh and I'd grown up uh watching, watching movies. Alien. Sure. Uh yeah. and so uh but uh yeah, so so it was, it was pretty close, and I was uh, able to, I think, better than uh, some other people to sort of delicately kind of give a thought of maybe not that, but that, mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. and then and then found out where that um, where does that where, <laughs> where does that, that go? Ended? Yeah, where does or, it go? Uh, well, no, 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 just like these garbage can. Or I, I, no, I once I once I I wrote a I wrote him a note once saying uh, for, like sorry to repeat this, but. I really think we need this, and he wrote a back note uh, saying, "Yes, I heard you the first time." That's and nice. it was like, "Okay, I'm not. I won't bring." Whoa, that thing up. okay. Shit. Um, so I've touched that third rail, but no, but I mean, it was always delightful, and he uh, with great humor and vodka. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was nothing. Vodka no, man. Nothing's better than like uh, at the end of rap, like going back to Ridley's trailer, and it's like, uh, here's, here's a martini. Yeah, yeah. And, that's uh, that's a dream come true, man. It was uh, sharing martinis with Ridley Scott. It come was on, pretty sweet. Where'd you shoot that movie? We shot it all here in Los Angeles. Oh wow! Angeles. Okay, yeah. Was that the first one? Uh, kind we of on location at at home, kind of thing. I mean, it was a not. I mean, not going away on location at the first time. Best laid was sort of sort of here, a little okay. Bakersfield. Uh, a lot Slept of oceans, in your own bed. A lot of oceans was shot here. Oh, okay. Um. So I haven't really. Got, uh, what's the longest you've been on like location on a ten weeks living out of a hotel yeah, two, in Mexico? Two months, yeah. Club Dread. That's a. But we, I mean, we shot for two months, and then we were there for two weeks of yeah, production. Yeah, so almost three months we were in Mexico. Yeah, that's the, probably the longest. Dukes of Hazard, I was away for a long time, but is that Louisiana? That was in Louisiana. Baton okay. Rouge. Yeah, for me it was it was. And I guess beer Mexico. fest. Well, beer fest. Yeah, we were in New Mexico for eight weeks. Yeah, a couple weeks or a week. Yeah. Do you know they made Breaking Bad in New Mexico? Yeah. Yes, I know. Which okay. funny because we watched. But it's a little bit of a uh, you know entertainment industry trivia. Yeah, no, I hear that. But we watch the movie and we see a lot of the same extras and the same actors mm-hmm. and the same crew and that kind of stuff. Our, so we uh, watch Breaking Bad. The so. Animal Wrangler on Beer Fest, a very colorful character, was uh, was an extra. He was. I don't want to give any spoilers, but there's one point where um, where Heisenberg orders a big hit. Mm-hmm. On, on a group of people, and mm-hmm. he is one of those. He's one of the guys. Hitties. Yeah. Uh, so, so he gets hit. He yeah, gets. He gets hit. And so it was okay. fun. It was just fun to be able to see those people. But uh, okay. But yeah, New Mexico. I think was a. I mean, I, I like location, but I liked. I made a, b- a bunch of movies here, and I, I there's something I like about that too. What was the most? What's been the most enjoyable shoot of your? Uh, I think. I think. Even if it was just a day, there are different ones that have different experiences. Like Club Dread was probably the most enjoyable shoot. I mean. Enjoyable for the location. The, the the production elements of it were not enjoyable, but the the actual place was unbelievable. It was mm-hmm. like paradise. Well, we were staying at the resort that we were shooting the movie yeah. in, and so you know the accommodations were incredible, and yeah, the location was fantastic. And Beer Fest was a uh, uh, somewhere we had more money and had a lot of different people to play with. Like there were, there was more fun. 
cast members coming in and joining us. I thought. Also, the vibe of the movie is very celebratory. It's a, a beer chugging movie. Yeah. And so I didn't have a, I mean, I had a great time on Beer Fest, but I was living life as sure. a different person, uh, you know, for six yeah. months while we waited for the reshoots. You know, I had re- receding uh, male pattern baldness and mm-hmm. an afro. Mm-hmm. Um, although that was a good learning experience. Yeah, as as we've talked. But the about. first the first Brooklyn Lynch movie we shot in L.A. was Slam and Salmon, so it was it was. Uh... You, you know, it's like you're saying, like everything has its own different personality. Yeah. Like, I mean, Puddle Cruiser, the first movie we made, was, with you, mm-hmm. was incredible just because we were making a feature film and somehow we were making it on our college campus and living in our fraternity house, <laughs> and we're with and we're with just friends. Like every actor is a friend. A lot of the crew is you know quickly becoming friends, and we're all you know you know twenty early twenties or mid twenties mm-hmm. and. and uh, I mean, that's, you never forget your first time. Mm. So, I mean, you know, it's like everyone has, is appealing. Slam and Salmon, I thought was, was cool because we were, we were at home. Yeah. But the one thing we missed out on, you know, at home as opposed to being on location was there was no uh, camaraderie in terms of going out afterwards. Like I never went out one time. Yeah. Uh, on but that it, didn't, it didn't matter to me because I was busy. But Well, you had a family. Oh, oh, and you're the director. Right. I mean, yeah. I was, there was not necessarily time. To, it was just like a, it was a big puzzle that you put yeah. together. You know, but it was, it was interesting because it, came, it became more of a job yeah. as opposed to the party. And that's not a bad thing. You know, like, like I think I learned a lot about being a professional on that. Sure. On that set. Like, yeah, yeah. No, that's know, fun. View these things as, as more jobs. What's the most fun you've, you've had on a set? Is it Matchstick Men? Probably as a, as a whole experience, uh, Matchstick Men, the most – the uh, the hardest work I've ever done, but probably the most gratifying, like creatively, of just uh, was was this TV show Terriers, which lasted only a season, yeah. but was uh, there was so much work, um, and so it, I, I was begging for it to be over while I was in the midst of it. But looking back, I go, oh, that was really the, the, sure. the time I was. Let's talk most... about that. Let's talk about that. How many okay. episodes did you write? Um, in all. Well, you created the show, right? Created the show, show. So I wrote, wrote the pilot, yeah, and then executive produced it with Sean Ryan, who'd done The Shield, yeah, which, uh, was and probably still is my favorite TV show, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then that's a good get, guy as a get, mentor. You get a, right? a room. F- uh, we're the same height, so uh, okay, good. So, so we're, e- we're totally equals. You're taller, um, and. Uh, and you get a room full of, uh, as you get a, a staff of writers. Did you hire your own writers, or did, or how did that work? Yeah, for the most part, reading samples, reading people samples, bringing people in. Uh, okay. There's a guy, Tim Minear, who worked with Joss Whedon, and who's uh, a sort of a legendary TV writer, who probably uh, was uh, the the most important hire, and uh, we mm-hmm. all would have uh, died and crashed and burned without him. Yeah. Um, but well, so, just so you, the show is an FX show, yeah, FX show, about private and, investigators, privatized with uh, Donald Logue, and who's been great in Sons of Anarchy, yeah. Michael Raymond James, and uh, it's uh, yeah, they're in San Diego, so it's like Simon and Simon, except they're not brothers, and it's not on CBS. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, and you uh, swear it, a little, and bit? it's can, not uh, not available on uh, DVD, but you can get it on Netflix. That's, sure. Really? Uh, okay, okay. And so uh, what? What? So it was a critically acclaimed show. Like it, it got, was well received and... by an extraordinarily small group of people. Okay. Uh, what? How, why? Why didn't it catch on? Is there a reason you think in your mind? I would or? say there's six different reasons. Okay. One, I titled it Terriers. That's probably a mistake, <laughs> but I don't know what. I still don't know what else to call well, it. Well, well, because because, because it was the, something... the characters were kind of scrappy and relentless and and underestimated. Okay. And then the marketing department said, "Oh, let's put a terrier on the poster," which was probably <laughs> then took idea. a title that was not quite well defined, and then right. Mystified it. Um, then Donal, as great an actor as he is, d- doesn't sort of uh, 
it, it isn't the name value that if you throw sure uh, uh, I don't know uh, Noah Wiley. Tom Selleck in, okay. or Noah Wiley. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so uh, that was that had trouble getting eyes, and then it, as a concept, it is literally a, it's another detective show. Yeah. It's not like and but this time there <laughs> this time he's got two got, heads. They've got psychic powers. <laughs> By or, the way, I would see that. Okay. They're detectives who bleed out of their eyes. <laughs> oh, well, I haven't seen that. Okay. Um, I would, uh, I mean, no offense, I would rather see the detectives with two head uh, story that Kevin just <laughs> do, you, do you want to put that together? <laughs> well, because we then we they just do it. They talk to each other, you know, like sure. the sounding board. And one guy comes up with an idea, and yeah. oh, how about this? And they yeah. pitch things to each other. They can play a great good cop, bad cop. Sure. <laughs> you know? The good cop, bad cop scene with a two headed cop, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's the way to go. Yeah. Shit. And then, like, because the one, then the good guy's like, fine, like, has to turn his back on the whole situation. <laughs> right. I'm telling right. you. That's good shit. Two, two-headed dick. Oh. Okay. okay. I like it. Okay. I like it. Okay, we're going down a title here. Two-headed dick. Oh, you, you know what? I'll chew, chew it. <laughs> it's something that, it's, it's interesting that you do that because in the early days of this podcast, we used to chew it all the time throughout the, the, the podcast mm-hmm. itself. And then we've. It's a good callback. It's a callback. It yeah. would be like if there was ever a lull, if somebody said something awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'd, we'd, <laughs> Instead of snaps. We'd chew. Or, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just you can't see this no. on a podcast. You no, can't, you can't. You can't give a V. Yeah. Uh, uh, back to Terriers. Yeah. What, what, uh, why did you do TV? Because you're going down the film world. Because uh, I saw The Shield and I thought, wow, this is like somebody's, you can do this with storytelling. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'd seen. Uh, uh, Sopranos and I like The Wire, but somehow the the the, the Shield really. Uh, and, and so I I kind of went in and wrote one episode of The Shield or co-wrote. I really actually have almost no. Based on con- what did you pursue? Did you go? I just say, called hey, Sean Ryan up okay. and I said, I love the show. Is there anything? Can I do something next season? And they said, Great. So uh, so I sort of got to see how how they uh, they made it. Yeah. And then uh, and Sean said, Let's do a show together. I said, No, I don't. I, I don't have any TV ideas except really, no one's ripped off Butch and Sundance in a while. <laughs> and that that's. Sort of it, it developed from there, um, and then I just and then I thought I was going to write the pilot and get out, and then I saw oh there's a huge opportunity here because they just uh, it's a totally uh, as you know TV and movies are reversed where the writer is king and, yep. and sort of tells the director what to do yeah. but all has final cut sure. and has real power because they need next uh, week's script yeah so just uh, the creator is the, king the culture is different and the, and by necessity yeah. um, and I saw wow I could really uh, just not just uh, become drunk with power, which I did. Right, uh, but also, uh, <laughs> of course, uh, uh, write something. Good. Write something this week and see it made the next week, and then occasionally direct an episode. Which uh, sure, I which you did, the, right? Directed two of the last four. And how yeah. was that? Awesome. Uh, sometimes really. Cr- the last one, we were so behind schedule that one morning I was at the monitor watching a scene and writing the afternoon scene. So I put it out and gave it to the actors, and that was. The the, uh, the the least interference I've ever gotten from right. from anyone is right. uh, on that day because uh, literally nobody we just shot it nobody had read it but the actors right um, and uh, and I would never want to do it again but it was uh, that was well, what were was so you much disappointed you were disappointed that, that it was it canceled failed? yeah yeah but I would I would uh, I'm prouder of that than anything else sure. I've and you work done hard probably, on it. and uh, so I wouldn't trade it in and all. and would you do other TV or you're saying you would not do that I would I would do not it again I just again. I I don't think in terms of television easily as as because I grew up on movies yeah. sure um, as opposed to uh, Sean really does uh, is a, a child of television and yeah. so kind of knows it better alright um, and so you're not pitching TV and regularly and no, no? Okay. would you produce TV 
I mean, it's. Would you, you know, cash a paycheck if TV wrote you a paycheck? Sure, like show up one, once a week and say, "Yeah, put them in red." Yeah, I think that. <laughs> I go. think. If, yeah, yeah, I would totally do that. Okay, I would. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I've, like, I've seen it done enough. But uh, I mean, like in terms of the hours, you know, because I, I think people don't necessarily know what goes into creating a TV show. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we had when we were interviewing Lance Henriksen, he said, you know, when Millennium got canceled it's it's more like a woohoo type thing <laughs> you know like, there there is some degree of relief when, when terry's got canceled like okay i don't ha- like season two would have been like okay, what, what are we going to do now uh and so there was a freedom but most than that there was sadness and i felt wor- worse probably for uh michael raymond james and donald because yeah, they sure. had they had not only killed themselves but they had really uh made the parts their own and they and yeah. probably um most of the reason why that show works is because of those those two guys. Yeah. And then the rest of the reason is me. Yeah. So really probably the between drift. the three of us, probably more me than them individually, <laughs> but them in combination, yeah. more them than me. Yeah. And then there's probably somebody else. But I can't remember their name. I wouldn't sure. say that. Uh uh are you open to talking about directing movie or what? A little bit. I'll I'll, 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 I'll I'll tap dance around some of it because I I, I did a Q and A about a month ago yeah. at a bar. Oh, that's fun. And with a couple drinks in me, I called somebody a cocksucker. Okay. okay. And then it got who tweeted. did you call a cocksucker? It, it, got, it got tweeted. Oh, no, you can't tell that. Oh, it did somebody in the audience decided? Okay. Oh, Ted Griffin just called him a cocksucker, and it was sort of okay. like. And he, the person knows. I think they're a cocksucker, but sure. it doesn't play well uh, to just. Uh, why burn bridges do you know that that's it's just such a lesson to be learned kevin and i were on a train i'll do the quick version okay yeah like, sure we were on a train uh on one of our stand-up tours. we were going from new york to philly to do a show yeah and uh there was a couple across the aisle from us on the train and they were canoodling and they were uh they were knitting and uh <laughs> and i was you a know, guy and a girl a guy and a girl and i just they were kind of just you know, I was just like, oh my god, look at this couple. They're they're knitting and and making out in front of each other. And so like, I just took a couple pictures and I just tweeted it, like, hey, this couple is like, you know. And I, somebody then sat down across from them, and I guess recognized us, and then told those people like, hey, th- those guys from those movies are sitting across from us. And then like to confirm it, they went to my Twitter page. <laughs> That's terrible. And I could sense that something was happening. Yeah. I swear I could sense that something was happening. And the girl finally got up and walked over to me and she said, excuse me, are you the one who is tweeting these <laughs> photos of us? And I, I was actually prepared for it because I had this, my spidey sense was tingling. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was right. like, I am. And she said, could you please take them down? I said, I will. And she said, now? I said, okay. You got a little confrontational. Oh, got very confrontational. And meanwhile, Kevin is across the way pretending to be asleep. Yeah, like I I was sleeping legitimately. And then I heard this scuffle. And I opened one eye and looked over and saw Lemmy and the girl fighting at each other. And I just closed the eye back up. (laughs) Yeah. And my spidey sense was telling telling me that he was awake under his his baseball. I was totally awake. Anyway, so social media... It's everywhere. It can mm-hmm. bite you in the ass. It can yeah. bite you very quickly too. I would sure. say it's mostly a dangerous thing. Yeah. I, I've been seeing it really like ah, somebody really rescued themselves from a problem that you no. can only really bury yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we so. only invite people to our shows to do it so through social media, right? Yeah. Well, you know. uh, but do you want to talk about this thing? The, uh, can I, sure. Can we what, talk do you, what do you want to talk about? Rumor has it or no? Yeah. So, I mean, that was a, uh, something you used some of the juice to set up a movie that you directed. Right. So, with my, a big cast. My ambition was to, to write. To, uh, you always want to be a filmmaker. To direct movies. And, yeah. and I uh, sort of 
climbed the mountain, so to speak, through uh, oceans and Magic Men producing Magic Men. Yeah. And then uh, wrote the script, which was about my hometown, Pastina, and, and uh, an idea I had had for a while. And, and uh, had sort of a, a great time ramping it up, got pretty much everybody I wanted to be in it. Yeah. And um, this is like, you know, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston, and Kevin Costner, Costner, Shirley MacLaine, sure. Mark Ruffalo, Richard Jenkins, who's one of my favorite actors. Oh, I love him. And, uh, and so this is at Warner Brothers. Was with Warner Brothers, who okay. I who I'd uh, whom I'd made Oceans, which was a very profitable movie. Sure, and spawned sure. a spawned a sort of you know mini franchise, which yeah. I didn't partake in the rest of it. Right. by I'll say by my own choice, fucking choice, <laughs> and, and and then done Magic, which hadn't been profitable, but was a, a minor success d'estime. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, the Ridley Scott movie and yeah. critically um, acclaimed and critically acclaimed. Yeah, um, and so I was uh, making this movie having. A difficult time with uh, a, a crew member. Okay. Uh, but was waking every day saying, this is like Christmas morning. I'm finally here. I'm, I'm, I'm directing I'm, I'm a movie. Do, I'm doing what I want to do, and yeah. I love it. Every yeah. moment was great, even when it was hard. And um, there were some other complications which I could get into, but yeah. uh, then two weeks in, I was fired without really ever a phone call from the studio, or nobody said, well, let's take a look at your footage. And, right. And nobody said... Uh, we have a problem in, uh, with what you're doing. Uh, you're doing this wrong. Yeah. Um, we were, I think, we'd fallen half a day behind at some point and caught yeah. back up. Which so we nothing. owed a shot. Okay. And um, what was their excuse? Was it did someone you had a problem with somebody? Or somebody had a problem with you? Seems clearly a political thing. Publicly, I think there were, in the press they said it was way behind schedule, which wasn't Not the true. truth. Um, and uh, I think. Sort of around town, uh, the lead actress was, was blamed, which I don't actually think was true. Right, right. Uh, yeah. She was she was not having a great uh, period at the time because okay. of uh, other things. Other things. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, but we never fought. Yeah. Um, and so I think there was another sort of political relationship with okay. uh, with this cocksucker. Okay, who we will uh, not mention. Which uh, which had gone south, and and, and the studio and kind of disappeared at that point. The or? studio, I didn't hear from them until about six hours after I was fired. Oh, okay. It was. It and was, what was that? A, a call? To say, a call hey, saying, sorry. "Hey, we're really sorry. Uh, oh, this boy. is. Uh, we really appreciate you. Yeah. Blah blah. Uh, so it was pretty much. I think ninety five percent the cocksucker's decision. And are you a producer on that movie? No, I ended up just okay. with writing credit, and it's under T.M. Griffin, which is a – you can't change your name. You can't give yourself a pseudonym if you get paid a certain amount by a studio. Uh, okay. You, you, you recuse that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The word I'm, uh, mm-hmm. Renounce? Renounce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, did uh, they use any of your footage? No. Okay. They went back and they did uh, But I've never thing. seen the movie. I, I had oh, a, so uh, uh, Rob Reiner. Somebody, who they bring Rob in? Reiner. Okay. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, which for me – is a little bit like having a girl break up with you and then go date Carrot Top. <laughs> just like, really? You're going right. to... Um, right. I mean, there are a lot of his movies have fans. Yes. I'm not one of them, but certainly... So you, what, you don't like Spinal Why don't we just talk about... You like Spinal oh, I thought you were talking about... Uh, yeah, yeah but that's a Chris Guest movie. Come on. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think Misery is a fine film, and yeah. and uh, Stand By Me, and uh, yeah. Fugitive is terrible. Come on, come on. Oh, that's terrible. I know, we always have fun yeah. with that. <laughs> we have fun with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but... What's the other fun? I'm trying to think if there's a fun part of this. So, so yeah, very uh, <laughs> calamitous, terrible event in my life. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know. and my career is split in half. It's sure. sort of like the ascension. You've rebounded, got, though, so don't, I mean, that's not a big deal. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I've I, I got to direct another movie. I've only directed TV, but yeah. uh, working on that. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's the other, uh, I don't know. If it, and so how does it, I mean, how do you deal with that? Do you remain in a writing capacity at that point, or you're just go, you're gone? You pack it up and you get out of there? Because the town, I mean, you know, from our perspective, we hear... The town sort of explodes, right? The trades are, are 
writing about it. I and got my picture in the New York Times. Yeah, I got it was in the Inquirer of the Star with a red bar across my face saying <laughs> "fired." Uh, so you, you know, I hope you framed it. I hope it, you kept it bef- before Facebook. Everybody knew <laughs> knew what was going on with me. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but, and, sure. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like we're in town. We know you. Mm-hmm. We've known yeah. you. You know. We've known you for 24 years. Yeah. So I took a little uh, little time off to drink. The, okay. Yeah. Did you 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 went to New York, didn't you? Or no, did you? I tried leave? to go to New York. I tried to go to Hawaii. Like, but literally, uh, in that capacity, every time, uh, if I checked into a hotel, there on the magazine cover was Jennifer. Ann- like, there was no getting away from. Yeah. Sure. It. Um, so how drunk are you getting? <laughs> I got a little drunk. Uh, Kevin Costner was a huge uh, hero to me. He gave me his beach house. I lived oh, really? there for a week. He so he's not the cocksucker. Oh no, no, no! But he got he got. Uh, there were some mm-hmm. totally erroneous internet reports saying, "Oh, Costner did this." Yeah, it's like he hadn't even shown up to work yet. Okay, but uh, I mean that's a it's a it's it's interesting because it is a Hollywood story. That's like a Hollywood right. Story I've ri- I, right I've there. actually I've written it. I have a book that when I'm dead. Okay. Or so successful, <laughs> that or it doesn't retired, matter. It doesn't matter, right? That I can call that I can call people cocksuckers, and it doesn't and it come matter. back to me. Then I will. Then I will uh, publish or self publish or whatever. You should just roll the dice. I should roll the dice, shouldn't yeah. I? You uh, have time. You have time to put out a memoir. You have yeah. plenty more things to do, and then when it happens, it happens. It happens. I, I wish, mean, that's I a wish, great uh, chapter. I mean, I, I know in your in your mind or whatever, it was a painful time, but like. That is a story that it, def- helps to make you who you are. Yeah. As as Ashley Costner said, uh, wait, I can't remember what he said, so I, I'll retract that. But he said something like uh, something about forged and steel, or, or yeah. steel, forged and fire. Yeah. Uh, but I think everybody should write that memoir. Like you should, you guys should sit down and say, okay, here's the who's fuck, a cocksucker. Here's the truth of what happened, and that sure. guy was a dick. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, I have, well, a, I have a fucking shit list, man. Because I have a shit list to get people. Oh yeah, because when you're in front of a microphone or doing press or anything, you just say, oh, it's just a wonderful experience working Absolutely. with him and her, and they were just. But it's fantastic. not the truth. No, um, I think I just tiptoed through that without saying any. Yeah, no, saying anything for anyone who doesn't know is, is they can go find out. So it's. Right. I mean, it's. it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's by far the darkest period in your career. Yes, and it's absolutely. But now it's. I mean, but you bounce back six, though. seven years behind. Yeah, you, I, right? I would say like I'm. There's still like there's like a little post traumatic syndrome. Like I can uh, occasionally once a week I'll get like angry, just yeah. like. Sure. But there's probably something else because I can't find a parking spot. I'll go <laughs> that mother. <laughs> have you have you um, not pursued directing a film since? No, then? I, I was attached to Up in the Air. Uh, oh, you I, were, and I couldn't get that going. And then okay. uh, Ivan Reitman owned. I helped sell the script to Ivan Reitman, and then uh, I I bowed out. And and then Jason, you didn't? Did, did you write that? Did you write? I that? did a draft of it. Oh, okay. Uh, after Sheldon Turner, who was the co-credited writer with, yeah. uh, and my brother Nick did a draft of it too. Oh, okay. Um, he he. My brother wrote the line: "Anyone who ever built a, an empire or did anything with their life sat where you're sitting now." That's that's my brother. Okay. Line. Okay. That's great. Um, my 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 only knock on that film because I actually think I think it's a really. Uh, Great looking and cool original film, but I I think um, they underused Sam oh, Elliott. Yeah. Oh yeah, underused Sam Elliott definitely. Yeah, when he shows up as that pilot, you're it's like, fantastic. <gasps> Sam but I was waiting for like a nice chapter of Sam Elliott, and that chapter was just a it was like one of those like three page chapters. I guess so, but he was he did give him the million mile. Award. Oh, it was great! No, it was yeah. great. I was, I was. I'm always thankful to have Sam Elliott. Absolutely, in my life. but that's my knock. I, I need like many more. You need a lot of Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. You know, well, you know, you see the, the what was it? The uh, thank you for smoking. Sam Elliott had a had a big part. So I I expected you know more Sam Elliott. Right. Mm-hmm. To, you know, that's not Griffin's fault. Don't blame him. I'm not. Okay. That's why I'm telling you. If, if if Ted had directed the movie, I would have, I would have said good job with the Sam mm-hmm. Elliott. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
Um, what so so is Tower Heist a bounce back for you? Was it was it a thing that when you came back? Uh, yeah, no, I had great uh, fun writing it. I don't feel uh, you don't think that. I mean, it was a very successful movie. You know? It's a successful movie. It, it was yeah. it underperformed a little bit. I think people thought it was going to be bigger. And and I'm, I wasn't. Well, the it had last a lot writer. of hype. I mean, it had a lot of hype. It had a lot of hype. I wasn't the last writer on because I had to go do the TV show. So Jeff Nathanson, his friend, wrote it, and so. But that was kind of interesting thing too. Like, how did it work? The way I understood it, Eddie Murphy had originally pitched it as like kind of a black Ocean's ensemble, 11. Ocean's Eleven. And, and then that fell off. It was, and then you came in to the picture. It was Trump heist originally, where it's just a guy, a bunch of guys who work in the Trump Tower rip off Donald Trump. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out that movie for the life of me. But then the Madoff scandal happened. Oh yeah. yeah. And I sort of said, oh, you, but you could rip off this guy, yeah. and then you have a that's a that's a movie. The yeah. Guy, only the guys in the building can get to him. And so rewrote that. Still with Eddie in the lead. And then I don't I don't know how Eddie fell out. And then they went to Stiller, yep. and I was gone, and then Nathanson came in. Um, but I'm I'm the idiot who I th- is responsible for a the the idea that a car of solid gold yeah. could hang out a L window washer wire like that's a that's one of those uh, deals I'm, where they're I'm, like I'm who was, the fuck wrote that yeah we gotta uh, make that we gotta make that happen now jesus so christ I'm, I'm the cocksucker of that one okay well it was funny because we were in a we had a script set up at universal and we were in there doing some sort of creative note session and they were telling us about all the projects that they had going and one of the things they told us about was uh, this movie tower heist and they and they were like and it's written by this incredible guy his name is uh Ted Griffin, and, uh, <laughs> and we were like, we know Ted. <laughs> we know Ted. You know how many phone calls I've gotten from the Universal since, since I left that project? That <laughs> really? many. They yeah. were so. I mean, they were gushing. They were like so excited about you and what Brett Radner was doing, mm-hmm. and and Eddie Murphy. And they told us in the room, they're like, this guy Ted Griffin, and we're like, no, we know mm-hmm. Ted Griffin. And every time we'd go in there, we'd say, "How's uh, Tower Heist coming?" No, but I mean, come on. I mean, it was a successful movie, right? I mean. I think so. I mean, I, I think uh, everyone was proud of it. Uh, Did th- you have to go through an arbitration for that? When there's a bunch of writers, or no? there was there were because uh, there had been I think three or four writing entities before yeah. me, which sucked. I mean, arbitration sucked, but yeah, I've I've actually not have had a bad one, but or at least from my perspective, uh, a bad one. Right. But, uh, <laughs> the other people have yeah, the bad ones. They're all great. Whoever had the tower heist one against you <laughs> had a bad one. Yeah. Just so you know. But that's uh, just to explain to everyone, WGA, the union, determines the writing credits. If there are multiple writers on there, there goes to arbitration to figure out who the real writer is, which mm-hmm. is always a hard thing to prove and always a pain in the ass, and someone always gets fucked. And then when you don't get the writing credit, you don't get the residuals and the money from there yeah. on. And so, uh, yeah. Well, because part of the process is to determine the percentage of the script which you wrote, which, which is a hard thing wrote. to determine. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very arbitrary. It is. But, you know... But Griffin won. You won for yeah. Tower Heist. So if we had won the Oscar, I would have gotten it. That's right. But the Tower Heist we lost Oscar. the Oscar that year. Okay. So you weren't on the set for that movie, or no. you weren't involved. Okay. I was going to ask how Brett Radner is as a director. Is a, I haven't seen compared him to these work, other guys, Soderbergh and Ridley I, Scott. And uh, Brett is a, uh, actually a be, is a Labrador Retriever. He's got a lot of energy, yeah. and, he, and he's very enthusiastic, and he's actually one of the biggest hearted guys I've met. Um, and uh, so I like him a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, uh, yeah, okay. No, I hear he's a, he's a cool guy to work with. What? You didn't have sex with him, is what you're saying to me? Okay, he uh, has, he has, just in the mouth. All right, he has. 
Just Ted, mouth Ted sex. Ted Griffin has, has only had mouth sex mm-hmm. with his directors. All right, so we talked Terriers. What are you going to direct? What are you going to direct? What do you got lined up for directing? I've uh, written a script based on a book called Lying on the Couch by Irvin Yalom, who's probably the Martin Scorsese of psychotherapists. And uh, I have Anthony Hopkins of Solace fame wow. uh, attached, and I'm really? trying to get the money together right now. Uh, Is it set up at a studio or no? No, it's a, it would be an indie. Ah, uh, welcome to the indie world, yeah, Griffin. Yeah, it's not fun so far. <laughs> yeah, but so ha- that's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. So you work with him on Solace and then through his agent or you just call him? I had actually met him on this movie because I tried to get this movie going five years ago and then it just happened that he did Solace, but I wasn't around on Solace at all. Uh, okay, so he had, he had attached himself first to this script. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, and that's where we, when we had breakfast and he went... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so trying to get that writing, uh, writing another TV pilot and writing an action, a Lee Marvin action movie, even though Lee, Lee Marvin's not alive, in, 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 he's not alive. Okay. But maybe technology will catch Take up back with that. Yeah. Lee Marvin in the Dirty Dozen is such a, an interesting performance to me because I, I, I felt like when I like that was the first Lee Marvin movie I I saw and I and I thought he was gay when I watched it. <laughs> really, I did. I, like because uh, of the way he walked. Well, there was something the way he walked, the way he talked. Like at some point, like he holds out like his a bayonet or a dagger, and he says, "Now, which one of you wants to stick this in the major?" <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking lost my shit. Okay, okay. And then, do you know the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, but but I've never imagined it with Bruce Valanche. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way. Just look at. It. And then there's a, in the same scene, or maybe it's a different scene. They're they're planning the the heist and. Uh, the, the, what's the Hispanic um, character's name in that movie? Is Tito it, Puente or, no, or, or Trini Lopez? Oh, I don't know. Um, I can name all Magnum Seven, but I cannot name two of the Dirty Dozen. Two of the Dirty Dozen. Well, there's a, there's, they're talking, they're planning the heist, and it all relies on Jimenez getting to this tower, and they and they pitch the idea, and he says, "And what happens if Jimenez gets killed before he reaches the tower?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "This dude, he's gay. He's the toughest guy in, on film. What are you talking I about? I don't think so." Toughest guy. In Have film. you ever seen Hell in the Pacific? No. Mm-hmm. John Borman film with uh, Lee Marvin and Tashira Mifune Mm-mm. from the late '60s. Beautiful movie. Oddest uh, ending of a movie of all time. I'm not going to spoil it, but okay. check it out. It, Hell in the Pacific. Hell in the Pacific. Okay. Um, it's basically Enemy Mine, but in World War II. Okay. The Enemy Mine is is kind of a rip off of it, except that Tashira Mifune doesn't get pregnant by Lee Marvin later in the. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> at any point in the film, I'm excited. I'm uh, but I just I recently learned that Lee Marvin had been in in World War II. In reality, had been and his company of like twenty or thirty guys had been ambushed and entirely wiped out, except for him. Because really? so he tough. was he was the lone survivor. Whether uh, how how he survived, I don't know. But but like in real life, you can see that there's like he was traumatized. Like that's part of his wow. makes him. Lee Marvin. Gay? Makes me gay? Yeah. Well, he survived because, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. This is a one-man theory because no one else has the same theory in Hollywood. It's amazing. Lee Marvin. That's amazing to me. I was like, the first movie I saw was Dirty Dozen, and I was like, this has got to, this is not, this is not possible. Like, you know, he's... he's is someone playing a joke on me? Well, it's not like even a, a gay thing. He was just like, he was kind of prancy. Sure, sure. That's really more sure. what it was. Sure. Or, 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 or caddy. I want to re- look at all his movies now and figure out if there's like a underwriting vibe. Yeah. Like professionals. The, the Rock he and, Hudson. He uh, Umber, or Burt <laughs> Lancaster kind of want to fuck maybe. maybe. I can imagine that. Sure. They're so tough. You know, it's like you just want to be with yourself. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's one directing project, right? Do you have yeah. any, do you have any, is that, that's the thing. That's the baby. And you're writing a pilot. And I'm writing a pilot. 
Okay. And uh, but I haven't I haven't written f- for hire in a while, except for Martin Scorsese. I haven't written for hire in a while, so I'm I'm I may have to do that soon because I'm going get kind some of dough. Poor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in in terms of the pilot, it's a half hour comedy or an hour drama. I think it's an hour. Okay. What uh, y- you've been kind of like doing a lot of the kind of heisty con manny kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I originally knew you as a comedy guy. Any thoughts about going to that? Doing Side? a doing a straight, straight up comedy. comedy. Yeah. Uh, this Tony Hopkins movie kind of is that. Okay. Um, but I, I've uh, I, I, I've I've never really thought about doing like a straight out comedy. I'm trying to like I guess rumor has it may have killed that one in the crypt because that was that was straight out comedy. What about Whale Boy? Well, Whale oh, Whale Boy oh, right. that was one of the first scripts. Beached. Yeah, it, one of the we were supposed of, to make that movie together, weren't we, Ted? Yeah. Oh, you I were going to be the guy. I don't know if I was. I guess I believe it's still in a quote unquote active development at Fox. I heard that it was like Roger oh. Farley, like Chris Farley was attached to do it. It was yeah, about it was the story. It's like the Wolf story. Like I was writing it for him. Yeah. And, he, and I was on page sixty when he died. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. It's Tarzan. It's, it's the kid falls over. Overboard as a little boy whales. saved by whales, raised by whales. He beaches off the California coast when he's thirty. <laughs> Such he's a, a great whale. idea, and he's a great swimmer. And he becomes I, a, I'm a great swimmer. America's Olympic hope swimmer. for Olympic gold. I'm yeah. heavy at, and at a great then swimmer. Then the Atlanta or the Sydney Olympics or the Atlanta. I can't remember which one I wrote back for. then. Yeah, because it was so. This was a uh, second Lincoln administration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but funny. wasn't like Betty Thomas going to do it? Or I think she was all attached. kinds of people that were going to do it. A lot movie. of people would come come into that door. I loved that movie. Speaking of Farley, I, I was just reading that uh, Emil Hirsch got cast to play John Belushi in the I biotech. know. That's I interesting. That. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a pretty good book. A pretty good book. I read that. Oh, you did uh, book. Yeah, just uh, it's an interesting life. Yeah, but I, I didn't know if it was uh, if it was candy coated because it's it's coming from his team. Yeah, that, do you think that's is that? I didn't read it, so I don't know. Well, I think it's the it's the response to the Woodward Burke, yes, which, to the Wired. which they all hated. Yeah, they all hated that in that movie and everyone involved in it. Yeah, and uh, uh, you imagine that that's actually pretty good. The Chicklist was able to rebound not only from that, but then from the commission from the commission yeah. to do the shield. That's when we met Chicklis. We met Chicklis. Uh, he came in for Super Troopers. Yeah, he came in and and, and met for the O'Hagan. The, the well, Brian, Brian, Cox Brian Cox part. Yeah, and um, well, he came in. He came in and. <laughs> He sat down and he said, uh, so uh, I assume I'm here because you're familiar with my work. <laughs> and and literally, I don't, I don't know. This is pre-shield. Pre-shield. Pre-shield, post-commish. Post-commish. Post-wired. Yeah. But we were all, I think we were all just sort of uh, stymied and flustered by the, 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 the strength of that, the boldness of that opening statement, because the truth is we weren't. Well, because the thing is, those, like, he came in thinking that we asked for him to come in, but instead it was, he was a person who was submitted to us by agents. Yeah. You know yes. what I mean? So, Which is the weird thing like, about meetings is you never know quite who asked for the meeting. Right. Everybody might be presuming that they're doing the favor. That's right. Yeah. And so Chicklis came in and thought that we requested him because of our familiarity with the commission. It's a common thing. It's it's even similar to the Donald Sutherland beer fest thing. You, you know, it's also like, who are these ki- I've never heard of these kids. Yeah. So I am doing them the favor. Mm-hmm. We had that. We, we interviewed the guy. Uh, is it, who's the, the boyfriend in Flatchants? Michael Nouri? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He came in. He, he yeah. gave us a little of that, too. Yeah. Uh, you know. I mean, Do you know that Donald Sutherland dated both Jane Fonda and Julie Christie in the early seventies. You know, what? is there anybody with that sort of? And he had more good... than he had more than that. Yeah, he but just those. Than... He's, he has two of the all timers dated two of the all timers yeah. right then. But Julie Christie is is probably one of the finest, most incredible women of of all time. And when I watched, is it uh, Don't Look Now? Yeah, the movie was that the only movie they did together? Do you know? Don't look now. A very, a, I think so. A kind of a, a great suspense. I don't even know if it's a horror movie, but uh, and they have the very explicit love scenes. 
But I find 70s Sutherland to be a little goofy looking, I think. There is something goofy like about it. Like the Animal House and MASH Sutherland? Goofy. He, goofy, but and then uh, Body Snatchers. Even Look at that, that hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Even that final scene of him. He's got a goofy face, and he does have a lisp. He does. He I does have the touch. And here's, of here's why I suspect why uh, that he's not l- well liked, or it hasn't never been. Right. Ordinary People, 1980. Yeah, it wins Best Picture. Right, gets nominated for everything. Actress, supporting right. actor, twice. Great movie. Everything. Yeah, Donald Sutherland doesn't get nominated for Best Actor. You know who does that year? Jack Lemmon for Tribute, mm-hmm. and oh. like and some, something, something, something for like. I may get this wrong, but like Lawrence Olivier for uh, Boys from Brazil, like right. something like you nominated, like there's Sutherland, great per- lead performance in your best movie. Sure, he must be disliked. Yeah, right. but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, there, you hear stories, but you know, I, I, uh, I mean, he was a professional guy, but yeah, he was, he wasn't the warmest guy okay. in the world. Right. You should cast him. But in I love him. Am I? Yes. All right. You are. Maybe but we've known each other for a long time, yeah. 24 we're, years. We're founding members. It's true. Founding yeah, members. Are. It's funny because he, uh, I was thinking about that. It's like, um, we did a little, we did uh, actually course correct, you know, course correct you a little bit in terms of like, I don't know if you would have joined the fraternity house. I don't think I would have. I don't think you would have if, if you were I may in, not have stayed at Colgate, Goosby. frankly. I was, oh, okay, I was really? thinking about transferring. But, but then yeah. it, because you're having negative feelings right off the bat when you got there? Yeah, I just didn't like fit in or didn't feel, uh, feel at home. How, um, how, yeah. how, I mean, it was like mid-October when we the auditions were. I remember it was during football. Season. I, I thought it was it pretty early in September because yeah, we were September. The, we got early. there in August. Yeah, because um, we put the show on in December. So, wow. well, uh, wait, did you say what your favorite moment was from doing that first Chard Goose Speak show? I mean, it, I mean, uh, acting moment was probably uh, either Flip Flip Anderson in Beat the Devil the Game Show, yeah. just doing the uh, right. shot to the top of the pop charts, <laughs> yeah, just right, being right. able to do that terrible right. voice or. During the Kappa Kappa yeah, Gamma, yeah, that's what I remember like the, of you. The shots, I, yeah, shots, shots? Thing. I enjoyed that very much. Seeing you in the, I mean, we all had had girls. We all dressed on. up as women. We've all dressed mm-hmm. up as women. Mm-hmm. But, but Griffin did a pretty that always job excited as a woman. me because I would say the shots, and then you'd get up and start pouring it out, and you were very excited to be doling out that alcohol. <laughs> uh, so shots? those are those are I remember my favorite acting moments, but just being like walking around the theater in snow with Jay to like make an entrance, yeah, like, that's right. to go in there. We're, we're, it's, it's ridiculous. It's climbing totally Window, I remember that. That's ridiculous. Uh, oh, where are we, Katie? How are we doing? We're at an hour fifty. We're at an hour fifty. Holy okay. Jesus! Oh Jesus! Okay. okay. All right, okay. we'll wrap it up. Um, is there anything else on the? Uh, uh, on the list? I hit it all. I hit it all. I hit all my right. big list. You, well, you I'll, I'll come back sometime if you want, uh, and I'll, I'll tell my Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie story. Which oh is, yeah, uh, she, is which that is, a teaser, or, can, or do you just want to tell it? No, tell let's it. make it a teaser. Okay. Okay. Because uh, we'll have yeah, we'll do it again. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. I'll, I'll, and I'll live some more. I'll have some more catastrophes to talk about too. And I'll call some more people cocksuckers. We okay. should. Uh, I, I wish. Don't be, call me a cocksucker. Yeah, don't call me a cocksucker. No. It'd be fun to visit you on a set someplace. And uh, but whatever, we'll have you back on. All right. Thank you guys very much for having me. It's been it's been a delight. Thank you, thank Ted you, Griffin. And I, and I think it's my first podcast. Too. Is it really? Yeah, I think so. Well, you were. Excellent. How do we do? Wonderful. Could be the best I've ever had. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Will you okay. lead us in the in the out chew? Yes. <laughs> the out chew. Okay. No? Okay. Go. Ooh. Mm-hmm. He throws a little Anthony Hopkins in there. He does. He throws some fava beans. Those in are his there. influences. I know it. That's what, good to hear. Do you know? Do you know what you're eating? Big apple. Big apple. <laughs> How does Martin Scorsese chew? Um. Um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got to chew fast. Scorsese's got to chew yeah. f- fast and frenetic. There's a lot of Woody Allen in, in Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese. Or vice versa. Probably the way right. Wolf of Wall Street. I like that. Christmas Day. Wolf of Wall Street. Look for Ted Griffin. And uh, go go uh, rent Puddle Cruiser. You'll see Ted Griffin as Rick Johnson. Rick Johnson's pizzeria. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
Thanks, Ted Griffin. Thank you, guys. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.